FM. See you on the lift. Back attack, dude. <laughs> hey, yo, homies. <laughs> Slide down the big hills. You know what I mean? On the big, nice, burgundy snowboard. What a beautiful day today here in the studio at the Bombhole, which is presented by Run Through a Wall Smelling Salts and, of course, Pub Beer. Now, we got Jeremy Jones in studio hosting today. Jeremy, what's happening? Not a lot. Excited to be here again. Um, this is great. Well, we're happy to have you in studio, as always. And then, uh, you know, fan favorite back there, we got our producer, runner of show, Silk, Silk D. How are we doing, Silk? Phenomenal. It's beautiful. Nice. You keeping it silky back there? I'm doing my best. Okay, perfect. And today's special guest we got in studio is Naima Antolin. Naima, how are you? I'm good. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, we are so psyched that you're in studio. We got some cliff notes for any of our listeners who are unfamiliar of who you are. Naima is an incredible snowboarder. She's got a true creative side that gets expressed on her snowboard as well as in her crafts from knitting to crocheting to art to music. Her unique approach makes her one of a kind and we can't wait to get into this conversation about all things life, snowboarding, crocheting. I mean, for the listeners that can't see, you're currently crocheting in that chair as we do this podcast. It seems like you've gotten really into it. Why knitting? Why crocheting? Um, I think it's something that's really good. It's a really good balance for snowboarders or anybody who does, especially like an extreme sport, to be able to rest your body while you can still work your mind. Because I know that when I start snowboarding and I get injured and I still want to keep going, I won't stop. I won't let my body just rest. So I found that crocheting and knitting is a really good way to be able to find that balance. I love that. It seems like you know, I follow you on Instagram. It seems like almost every day you're holding up some like blouse or hat <laughs> or beanie or whatever. Like you're you're pretty committed to this craft. It seems like to me. Yeah, I mean, okay, so yes, there's the resting side to it, but it's also the part where you can keep your mind going. So somebody who just loves to create and express themselves, and sometimes with snowboarding, it's like okay. Well, winter's done what do you do and then uh you still have this whole creative outlet so it's probably similar to people who like to play music or draw paint it's it's all the same it's just exuding that creative energy just in a different in different way mm-hmm. i've uh, i heard jones actually is kind of nice with the the sticks so to speak with crocheting yeah i'm a little dated i mean She's you're drumming up a lot of questions like because are you knitting right now? This is crocheting. You're crocheting because yeah. knitting is two sticks. Yeah. So knitting is two needles. Needles. is kind of what they call it. So Thank they're you. pointy. And I don't know if you guys can see this, but with the crochet, they call it crochet hook because there's a little hook right there. And that's the difference. Yeah, that's cool. What where do you get your like inspo on what you're going to build? I mean, if you're at it that much, you just pick up thread and just start going uh, fiber let's call it oh uh, the fiber arts yeah <laughs> yeah we call it the fiber the, arts because yeah. there's a whole blanket uh or there's a whole realm of arts within just like the fiber works i guess with rugs and knitting crocheting even embroidery and whatnot but 
I find a lot of my inspiration through the internet, through um, the crafting community as a whole. Um, it's probably so dumb, but when I first started was, or I kind of, I started to learn how to knit in high school, then put it away for a few years and then COVID hit. And I was just like, oh, I've always wanted to learn how to crochet. Started learning how to crochet, but this was a time when you weren't supposed to hang out with people or see people. And I was yearning for this crafting community, but I couldn't find that. And then this is around the time that I learned about TikTok. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to do a crafting TikTok for fun. And through that, I accidentally came across this whole crafting community. And like all these people that I met through that platform, I'm like so inspired by. They're so creative. And then in turn, it makes me creative. And it's just this like rolling ball effect. Oh, I love that. Nice. That's so an incredible. easy place to tap in, basically, to find the, that energy. That's rad. When was TikTok? When did it come online for you? Uh, like 2020-ish time. Yeah. So talking to someone when I was doing my research, I was told that you basically might work for something on hours and hours and hours and hours, and then you get done, and you just unravel the whole thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think any crafter feels the pain of that but it's also something where you just learn to enjoy the process or as Jeremy was saying earlier like sometimes you just be crocheting something or knitting something and, you, and it's nothing like you're just doing it for the act of doing it because for me it's like a meditative practice it's not necessarily I'm not meditating but it's something similar because I've had that thought before of like is this meditating when you're working on this craft and you get into these mindsets or is it like meditating which I think are two different mm. things in the sense that um, I it's a place to clear my mind but I'm not doing it solely for the purpose of clearing my mind. Mm -hmm. It makes sense in my head. No, it makes a lot of sense <laughs> and the, the, the thing that I think is cool to highlight is you're not tied to the end result. You're tied to the process, which, you know, being tied to the end result is the source of a lot of our problems. And love in the process is, mm -hmm. you know, makes life a little easier. I mean, sometimes you do enjoy the end result. Or sometimes I know I'll make something. I'll finish it, spend hours, finish it. And I'll know that I'll never wear it. Or I, like, just mm -hmm. am not happy with how it turned out or I missed something. And so for me, it's more worth it to to go back and redo it or just uh kind of salvage that yarn to do something else with it i love that i was reading some stuff doing my research because i knew we'd talk about this and i saw a fun fact it said crocheting re reduces the chance of alzheimer's by 30 to 50 percent that true uh i've never heard of that but i'm like okay it could reduce that possibly, but I also think that it will increase your chances of carpal tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> so all these other things. So it's really like, what yeah. is one without the other? Yeah, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Do you see any similarities between uh, crafting? I'm trying to get my trying to get our jargon right here, Jones. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Fiber crafting. crafting. So do you see similarities between crafting and snowboarding? Absolutely. Um, I see a lot of similarities just on the create because for for me with snowboarding is is a it's a self-expression. It's a way to express yourself. And so whether it's through snowboarding or crafting or music or just how you walk out 
your door um, at the beginning of the day or your house at the beginning of the day. It's it's all a self-expression. So there's a lot of similarities when it comes to just expressing yourself in whatever means you choose. Mm. Well, also, I, what came to mind as you were talking, what about like the difficulty of learning and landing a new trick, like learning a new pattern? Yeah, that's, I mean, exactly. So that's all very similar. It's a lot of self-will, a lot of just like self-determination when it comes to like, okay, I want to learn this trick. I have an idea in my head of what I want it to look like. So then you're going to go and just figure it out. For me, it's just repetition. So with knitting or crocheting, I do a lot of repetition when I try to come up with new patterns. So sometimes I crochet and write my own patterns. And with that comes so much trial and error of being like, okay, I kind of like this, but you got to take it apart and try again. And that's like exactly how I dissect snowboarding or trying to figure out learning a new trick I'll be like okay if I want to do a 270 onto a feature I start with a one or like a 180 on or then maybe a switch front board on and then I'll be like okay now I just got to put those pieces together and hypothetically that should give me my end result that I want and it's just a lot of tinkering Hmm. so landing the trick would be the comparable to the finished product Yes. Like you look at that, you either stomped it or you didn't. Now, stomped it or you tacoed the rail. Stomp odor, stomp, stomp odor, tacoed. <laughs> yeah, you do or it again. you, or you rewrite and or create a new pattern. In this process, is that is the pattern kind of the trick, or is like the stitch the trick? I think that neither. I think well, okay, maybe the end result would be the trick. And then everything leading up to that would be the process. So the end result would be like this hat, the finished product, that's you landing the trick. Correct. And walking away like happy. And uh, everything before that would be just... Just the process. Just the process, yeah. Okay. That's killer. Well, I think this is a good segue. Uh, We got a guest question from videographer Wizard. Bryden here. We got a couple from Bryden, but an absolute legend. Let's uh, let's get into it. Hey, Naima. It's Bryden. Stoked to hear that you're on the bomb hole, and I have a question for you. Um, over the past years that we've been friends, I've always admired how much you express your creativity, uh, whether it's on a snowboard or when you're at home playing piano or, or drawing or anything like that. Um, and I've always thought it's so cool how musically talented and artistic your family is. So my question is, what was your childhood like um, and how did art come into play with that? Um, was it like around you at all times or like was it something that you felt like you naturally pursued on your own? Um, kind of a loose question, but like you're just so artistic and your family seems so supportive in the arts. Um, it'd be cool to hear you talk about that for a little bit. Sweet. See you soon. I miss you. Wow. Bryden, what a legend. Can we give him an air horn? Yes. Yeah, let's throw him one. I like it. So both my parents are mu- musicians, and 
my name comes from a song, one of my, uh, it comes from a John Coltrane song, who's this jazz artist. And I, I guess he's not just any jazz artist. He's a very well-known jazz artist. And uh, with that connection to my name, I kind of always felt like music, just regardless if I wanted to or not, it's gonna run through my veins, run, mm-hmm. run deep into the soul. Um, but both my parents are musicians. We grew up with, I grew up with seven siblings and music being played 24 seven every single day at any time. I have vivid memories of sleeping and my mom, which like I was sleeping on the third floor. My piano is on the basement floor. So, and my mom would start playing the piano at like five or six in the morning and I would wake up to the sound of her playing piano and then this is like how old am I maybe seven eight ten years old and uh and then I would go down to the basement where my mom's playing piano and then get to the couch fall back asleep to her playing piano so that's just like a little bit of an idea of the household even though it was very chaotic with so many siblings it's like most houses, when you walk in, there might be like a coat hanger next to the door. And I grew up with like a guitar rack. There's just lined up with guitars. And uh, there's just, I don't know. My parents never forced forced music onto us, but they left out all the instruments for us to pick up whenever we wanted to. And so through that, that was just like, I guess, inevitable to to start learning music then later on i don't know what was this question? it was kind of like <laughs> uh fostering creativity and maybe yeah. how that trickled into your snowboarding and how they're supportive yep okay so that i think led into or i guess just playing the music and maybe growing up without any real structure so there seems to be a couple different ways that you can learn music which would be the classical way where you just learn how to read music and then you just go and often you can read music and go that way or there's the way where you have no rules and you just figure it out as you go and you just hear the sounds and then and then you just put together what makes uh makes sense or what sounds good to you and that's kind of how snowboarding came to me is that I didn't really have this tradition or like I I didn't really have this traditional way of getting into riding park it was something where I just had a few friends give me some tips and then through there I just figured it out and it's it's just uh I think it's one and the same have you I mean do you guys play piano at all no, I don't. I mean, I've I've smacked key a few times for oh, sure. Yeah. I've always had a piano, <laughs> piano around. Oh yeah, yeah. Silk D's probably nice. Silk D's, keys. yeah. Okay, so with the piano, it's all laid out in front of you, and I kind of see that as uh, similar to snowboarding, where you see the hill and it's all laid out in front of you. Then now you have to figure out how to play the keys or the notes to make this beautiful melody, and that's similar to being on a hill, and you can just uh, dissect like how you want to find your way down it and so mm. it's it's all the same <laughs> that sound familiar silk From yeah piano totally. player. yeah i get it <laughs> i get what you're saying <laughs> adds up That's, i just respect it so much i i just I, i've never put in the reps so i'm not going to say that i couldn't do it i've just never put in the reps and 
haven't given it that time. I and I have envy and so much joy out of people that have. Yep. And I just I think it's so mm-hmm. cool. You know what's cool? Sidebar. Uh, just talking. About how many how many siblings you grew up with? Eight. So you have eight. What? I grew up with just two. So I I'm like, but I would love to hear you two guys talk about what it's like growing up with like seven siblings and how that shapes you differently than somebody that's got one or two. You're up. Okay. Um. First question: Is it eight altogether or nine altogether? Nine altogether. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So. I grew up smack dab in the middle, 20 years from oldest to youngest. And then not only that, I was born in Japan. So my parents, I'm not Japanese, but my parents decided to move to Japan with two kids already. Um, Because at that time you could learn how, or you could teach English in Japan and live there Mm -hmm. for a year. So my parents did that. And then through that year, they made a friend, um, that was willing to help them get a visa. And they just renewed that visa year after year for about nine years. And uh, yeah, so pretty much was born in Japan, around three years old, moved back to America. And my parents had a few more kids along the way. And I I don't know. I, I don't know what it's like to not have any siblings or to have a few siblings, but all of us get along really well. Everybody is so funny like every time we all get together I'm just like crying from laughing so hard and I'm very thankful that I'm I don't know I loved growing up with the big family but I also think in retros or just like I think like could I do that myself absolutely not no I'm like that's some crazy that's some crazy it's crazy how is it the youngest is how old she is 19 about to turn 20 later this year yeah how about you i mean same like uh, it's cool to hear that you get along so well as a family we're the same way our our family gets together and it's just like it's great there's no drama everyone's just doing their thing everyone is in very different lanes in their life and kind of stays out of everyone's business which is super cool especially when people start getting married and things like that like and merging families it's nice to have a stable family that's just down and when you call for help the whole family's just like they'll come in they'll sort it out with you and then they're like we're out and they just kind of dip and you just always know that love and support's there so i'd love to hear that you had such a positive experience with it i did too it was total chaos i mean the third floor to the basement makes total sense to me. I, I know that that flow and <laughs> just the, you know, the craziness. One of my brothers is adopted and we have a, a Korean brother. And so that was really fun just because it like culture, culturally, it really just changed everything. The way that we had to move and and adapt and just process the way people would come at him. And then so it was cool to see like the brothers and sisters always back him you know protect him and like that i thought was sick so blood or not i think that that family unit is is cool especially when it's healthy i'm curious if it was similar with your family with my family since it was so big it was almost like whenever we had friends over or even our parents friends or whatever they all just 
became family as well. Like my parents would just treat them as, oh, just another kid. Like yeah. this <laughs> one, one and the same. And it didn't matter if you were related by blood. You were just, if you were in that household, you're part of the family. And there was no, you like all my friends wouldn't question that for a second. And I mean, I don't either. But I love that. Yeah, yeah, very similar. You know, that's an interesting point you bring up too, because... I can't remember who I was talking to yesterday, but they, they mentioned like your reasons for getting into snowboarding. And, and somebody mentioned that it seemed like to you is almost like you're drawn more to the people than the, the action. Possibly. Mm. Yeah. Um, I got into snowboarding. I had an idea when I was in fifth grade and this is nobody in my family snowboarded at that time. Maybe my oldest brother had gone like once or twice, but it wasn't like a normal thing in my family. And I just had this idea, like I'm going to snowboard. Like, I'm mm. going to be a snowboarder. I don't know why. You didn't see it anywhere. Anything like that? No. I mean, Johnny Tsunami. Johnny, oh, yeah. Johnny Tsunami. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably <laughs> the closest. I mean, what? I was wow. in fifth grade. Like, yeah or so I don't know how old but uh yeah I just had this idea that I was gonna do oh maybe a kid in school had gone and I was like that sounds like so much fun and I know that it didn't always snow in Seattle or when it did it'd be for like a couple days but I always knew that I loved those snow days and it was one of my favorite times because just every the earth would go silent or at least the city would go silent which you don't hear very often and um I was just attracted to that. And so getting going into middle school, there was this like winter enrichment program where you could go to the mountain and learn how to ski or snowboard for one day a week for six weeks. And they also had this low income program. And if it wasn't for that, I don't think I would have gotten into snowboarding at that age because it was just too unattainable. But mm. luckily they had this low-income program and I was able to be a part of it and that is what started this trajectory of snowboarding and um and through that it's it's definitely been a lot about the people or a lot about the feeling of snowboarding so the community the field being out in nature um it's almost like mm, I can't think of I can't think of what I'm thinking of <laughs> All good. Do you remember your first snowboard? Uh, something off Craigslist. I think I got like a whole setup. Oh, so the first snowboard I have is like a rental snowboard. And then uh, as I started to get a little bit more into it, I think I found like a whole setup off of Craigslist for like under $100 or something. Sure. And uh, I don't remember what the first snowboard was, but I do remember the first snowboard I ever bought with my own money. I spent all summer lifeguarding and saved up all my money and just spent it on getting like a whole new snowboard setup. And it was a K2 Vava Voom. I think that's what it's called. Um, I loved that board until the nose delaminated and I was like, screw this. <laughs> <laughs> Done with this. And then I had... Um, but then uh, growing up in Washington at Snoqualmie Pass, uh, Mervin, like a new live tech, is pretty big out there. And I had a friend that worked up at the mountain who I started to look for a new snowboard because that K2 had broken. And he was like, I think you're really going to like a GNU board. Like, I think you're really going to like it. You got to try one out. And um, I was like, okay, I'll try one out. And he recommended one of them. I think it was a B Street. 
and I got it and I loved it and I never looked back. I, I remember after that, later that winter, maybe I, there was like a snowboard contest, uh, called tube city. And it's something that uh, crush from Snowboy put on when he used to work out at Snoqualmie. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and the whole GNU team was out there. And it was the first time that I had really seen snowboarders at this level out there. And not only were they just destroying it or just, they just looked like they're having so much fun hanging out together. And that kind of sold me on GNU from the beginning. It was just like this vibe and I wanted to be a part of it. Wow. I actually want to point, highlight something out in that because you think of how most people come into snowboarding it's an individual thing. We you spoke to that early on. Like it's an it's an expression of yourself. The same way you walk out the door, and this is the draw for a lot of people. And to have you actually relate to the community and the people in a contest setting, I think is super unique. And to see that 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 thrives even in that setting and. I'll draw it to like the X Games or any sort of event that you watch on TV. You watch, you watch skateboarders and snowboard events on TV and live action. Like the athletes are homies. They're brown down. They're talking. The girls are amping each other up. The dudes are amping up the girls. Like the whole thing just feeds on itself. And you watch other contests and events like that in any other industry. You don't see that same kind of thing. And so I just love that. Like, be a contest guy or not, the culture is the same. The people are there to back you up, and I think coming like finding that in contests that's a that's a highlight. I feel like it's not like that with every contest, though. It's not. It's not. And maybe it's like a matter of time and place, and 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 people within that place because um, that moment all those years ago possibly set my trajectory for for being a part of GNU now, but I feel like I've been to many contests throughout the days where it's not like that, especially for somebody new. Like that was my first, probably one of my first contests that I had ever done. So I probably couldn't even board slide a rail or something, you know, but yeah, I just was like, uh, I don't know, very, I guess like, I feel like, not everybody's always very welcoming to people who don't know what they're doing within this space. And so whether it's then or now, it's hard to, I guess it's hard to say. I think you're, I mean, you're right. You're, you hit that right on. I think the, yeah, you're right. It's, it's a time and a place and I'm glad you saw that. I see it now a lot more than ever before. And it's, and it feels unique. There's an era of snowboarding where, I mean, it was about as clicky as the cool, I could imagine like, anything. I, I call it like cool guy. Yeah, it was cool guy. Yeah, when, when yeah. you're a cool guy. But what my theory is that what if that's still a thing? We're just different. We're just in a different level within that space. Like, even though maybe we don't see that anymore because we're more confident in ourselves or we uh, don't care, but that's still happening it's just to this younger generation that we don't even see because we have so far sur surpassed that and so I, I i guess i can't help but wonder those things and ask those questions all the time is that um even though i 
don't feel a lot of clickiness within snowboarding. That could just be my own experience and somebody else could feel that a thousand times over. And it's, it's just like, I don't know. How do you, how do you open up that space to where people don't feel like that? no matter who they are or where they are within snowboarding. I think you said it with our involvement and the way that we've grown, like the, the generations that kind of go, if you experienced that or were a contributor to someone else experiencing that, really the only thing you can do to change that is find the way to adapt and see it different and start to promote that kind of activity and find those friends. It seems like you did and like when I'm around snowboarding, it's not too clicky anymore. I can go find it for mm -hmm. sure. And I can start it even quicker. Yeah. So I just I, think, I think it's our, our take on it. I think also the other thing too is awareness. Like even just ta talking about it too, bringing awareness to it. It's like, I think that's a fundamental issue in humanity, even just outside of snowboarding. If we're going to, if we're going to go fucking deep for a second, <laughs> but deep. you know, but like it, it really, it really like that. That's not necessarily just a fundamental snowboard issue too. You see, for example, like I think it just comes down to all humans treating other humans, looking at them eye to eye with respect. There's different socioeconomic things where you see, like I've seen people treat waiters shitty and you're like, what the fuck's your problem, dude? Like that, that's guy, that guy's, like serving us and being like, why the fuck, you know? So there, there's, there's definitely some unconscious humans out there that treat different people according to their social statuses differently, which sure. is a problem within humanity, which probably trickles into snowboarding in some senses. If somebody's a beginner and they can do a 720, they might be a dickhead to that person. All right, we're going to take a quick break here and run up a Bubs ad. Chris, yeah. I know you're on that hydration lately. Absolutely. Bubs is a huge supporter of the show, and they've been sending over these hydration packs, and they're incredible. I've been running the lemon-lime one. That's my favorite flavor. And uh, basically, you just dump it in some water. I put down about twice as much water because it tastes good, and you're also getting all those electrolytes. It's got 2,000 milligrams of electrolytes. It's vegan, no added sugar, soy-free, non-GMO, gluten-free. It's no artificial colors, flavors. It's all the good stuff. It's not, you know, a lot of these hydration packs are chock full of sugar. These are healthy hydration packs. Um, what do you want over at Bubs, Jones? I mean, I, I'm go-to with the collagen. I'm also running the hydration. I love that there's options and flavors there, but the collagen is my baseline. It's the staple to keeping my joints smooth. Yeah, what, what does collagen do for the people that don't know? Collagen is good for your skin, good for your nails, your bones, your joints, your gut. Um, and probably other stuff too. <laughs> they also just came out with uh Bub's Brew coffee. So it's been, we've been hitting it here. We stay caffeinated off of that. And if you're interested in getting any Bub's products, head on over to bubsnaturals.com and use promo code bombhole. Again, bubsnaturals.com, promo code bombhole, and you'll get 20% off your order. All right, we got some big news coming at you from the bombhole. If you want that dome piece just flaming hot, you want that lid on fuego. We got some new hats for you. So we got the corduroy hat, uh, new edition. We got the corduroy Patreon members only hat. That's kind of a pure fuego del scorch, as they might say, at uh, Del Taco, one of my favorite hot sauces. Then we got the big, nice burgundy snowboard hat. And then we got uh, a couple dad hat styles. 
as you can see here, we got the staple hat, and then we got a new red and, and white trucker hat, and then the hat that I'm wearing on my head right now, I don't even know what it is, but it's flame. My head feels nice. If you're interested in keeping that lid fresh, whether you got a giant anchor dome or you got a small little pea head, we got something for you. Head on over to bombhole.com. All right, we're going to get into a favorite of the show, Run Through a Wall Welcome trivia. to Run Through a Wall Trivia. All right, so Run Through a Wall Trivia is presented by Run Through a Wall Smelling Salts. Now, the concept here is that we do rapid-fire questions, so you got five seconds to answer. If you get it wrong, I know you opted out for the salts, which is all good. Uh, Jeremy and Silk D are going to do a salt if you get it wrong. I'm going to do one if, if you get it right. So this actually might be bad for myself because I kind of gave you some, some meatballs. So, Jeremy, let's give you the countdown. you got five seconds to answer. Okay. And if it's not five seconds, we do. I'll hit you with the buzzer. Okay, first question. We're going to start in the uh, crocheting department. Crochet is derived from a French word, crochet, which means what? Five. Crochet. Four. What, is it? what does Making the crochet nuts? mean? Three. I have no idea. Two. <laughs> Making nuts? Crochet, Come on! A crochet is a uh, French word for a hook. A hook? Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's okay. 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 Never heard of that. Information's so easy when you know it. Uh. Yarn uh, yarn bombing is a term for what? Uh, putting yarn out in the streets or kind of like a flash mob situation. It's corrected. Like, it, what? It says it's a form of street art where yarn yeah. covers any uh, object or Overnight, public environment yeah. using knit, crochet, et cetera. I got to do it here. That's sick. That's cool. Oh. The fiber hearts oh my get God. busy. Oh, they're crazy. Oh, <laughs> God, that's a strong one. Jesus. Okay, next question. This is the Harry Potter department. Uh, what type of animal does Harry accidentally set free while they're at the zoo? Five. While they're at four, the zoo? Three. What are you talking two, about? <laughs> one. It's a boa constrictor. Oh, God. oh at the bridge. <laughs> I'm like, when did they go to the zoo? <sighs> okay, next question. <laughs> what does the Bogart... Turn into when Mrs. Weasley sees it. Five. Oh my gosh. It turns into all her kids and loved ones. One. It says the entire family and Harry. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Good answer. So I got, (laughs) fuck, that's me. Come on, nice try. Oh, I need a fresh one. Oh, uh, whatever. Well, yeah, give me another one. This Uh, game is fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She's just. Okay. Okay, next, next question here. What is the name? Of the Gryffindor ghost. Five. Uh, it's four, Sir Nick, three, nearly headless Nick. Two. Shit, that's correct. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Okay, I think I'm gonna have to do another one real quick. What is the name of John Colt? What is the name of the John Coltrane song you are named after? Name. That question's oh, amazing. But God. you would be surprised when I tell people uh, my name, and then they oh ask God. me, where did it come from? Oh, I'm like, God. oh, I was named after a song, a John Coltrane song. Uh, and they're like, what was the name of that song? And I'm like, it's name. <laughs> That's like the dude wears my car vibe. I like yeah. that. Okay. Uh, now we're going to get into a show that you love, uh, RuPaul's Drag Races oh. uh, trivia. <laughs> okay, here we go. This is a multiple choice answer. Okay. Um, 
RuPaul always claims to be looking for four things from the contestants. Charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and what else? Talent. Five. That's correct. Oh. Fuck me. Okay, here we go. Oh, God. I don't know if I'm allowed to say uh, this on air or not, but that stands for cunt. <laughs> really? Charisma, Charisma uniqueness, <laughs> nerve, and talent. Wow. That's a good acronym. Yeah. They're, they're, they're geniuses. I'm like, they are kind of the leaders of this world. Okay, next question. Where was RuPaul born? Atlanta, Five, San Diego, four, New York uh, City, three. or Raleigh? Atlanta. Oh. I have no idea. San Diego. San Diego. Okay. <laughs> oh, simultaneous oh, salt. All right, I probably need one more salt. Let me see. If you don't have one. Let's see who has to do this. Last question. Who did Michelle Visage... I don't know if that's how I said that right. Said it right. Replace as a main judge on season three of RuPaul's Drag Race. Multiple choice answer: Tony Braxton, Ross Matthews, Santino Rice, or Merle Ginsburg. Five, I'm going to say Merle four. Ginsburg. I that is correct. Oh. Just because the other oh. three are still on. Oh man, I feel bad for making people do that now that I had to do. It. <laughs> uh, I got a little more sympathy for our guests. It's actually intense. All right, this is, uh, you know, we're going right into this. Um, if you're interested in getting some run-through-a-wall, smelling salts are available at bombhole.com. Okay, uh, this is a question from Ilfa. Here we go. Hi, Nama. I'm really excited that you're in the booth, <laughs> and I think that you're incredibly creative and driven, and I really admire your unique way and approach to snowboarding and life in general. When we first met, it was on a street trip, in Minneapolis, and one of my first memories of you is that you were really into RuPaul's Drag Race, and you told me it was an inspiration for snowboarding. So my question is, if you were a drag queen, what would your drag name be? And the second part is, what would Chris's drag name be? (laughs) Can't wait to listen to the podcast. Love you. Oh my That's God, Elva, you're the best. A fire um, question. That was a it good is. question. She did catch me in a time of my life where I was obsessed, and I still am obsessed with uh, just the drag culture as a whole. Um, the reason why I think, or first off, Elva gets a, an air horn. She's okay. a legend. Yep, good call. Nice call. One of my favorite boarders, just so talented. But yeah. The relation between the drag community and snowboarding for me is the fact that these people are, I see them as living their lives as their, as their truest self. And I am gravitated towards that because I feel like I've had to fight to be myself, my true authentic self. And it's not easy. And I see these people go up on stage doing their thing and they're so talented in so many different ways, whether it's making their own outfits to singing, to comedy, to acting. And I see that with snowboarding, it just motivates me to be my truest self with snowboarding, whether it's hitting a spot that people around me think is too small or whatever. And I'm just like, this is this is me showing my authentic self, so I will do it because this is what I need to do. And, uh, yeah, so when I first met Ilva, that was kind of my my mentality, and it's probably because I was just coming out of a, a wave of 
trying to be the person that I thought I needed to be as opposed to the person that I am. And I'm very thankful that I, I met her at that time because it was kind of the beginning of this new chapter. And uh, so for anybody that's trying to find themselves, I really feel like they should they should probably tap into the to the drag community or watch RuPaul's Drag Race. I feel like there's a lot of lessons on that show that that really promote being yourself, being honest about who you are. And uh, and like every episode, it ends with RuPaul saying, if you can't love yourself, then how the hell are you going to love anybody else? And that that runs through my head all the time because it's it's so true in so many ways. In all ways. Damn. Just dropping knowledge. Straight up. <laughs> As the great RuPaul says. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I mean is the great you say, because the, like you had to find it and find that lane and snowboarding, it's not easy. Like getting called out on something and just because you referenced it, not anything particular, but like it's too small. Why are you hitting that? It's already been hit. What are you going to do there? Like it's already had 30 things done on it. Why are you going to do that? Well, it's because I'm me. And my 31 thing is going to be different than the 30 things. Yeah. Hopefully. Seriously. Yeah. I, I hit this spot in Alaska, which a lot of people have hit over the years. And this is like this bleacher thing that's in Anchorage. And when I went there and uh, I saw what I wanted to do and it was kind of weird and hard to explain. And I'm so thankful for the crew that I was out there with because they didn't hesitate for a second. They were like, all right, Sick. where do you need the snow? Let's do it. Like you have the vision. Just tell us where to put the snow. We got you. And, and I ended up getting the shot and it's, uh, and then once, uh, I think it was in the uninvited once it came once the shot came out, one of my friends who grew up in Alaska has seen every single thing done on that spot, reached out to me saying he's never seen anybody hit it like that or has ever thought of hitting it like that. And it's just, I guess, uh, it comes back to just believing in your ideas and believing in yourself. Now, uh, going back, that's beautiful. Eh? Mm -hmm. uh, B, going back, she did ask you your drag name oh, yeah. and my drag name. <laughs> Yes, thank you. You can't forget that. I want to hear these. Okay, so a uh, name for myself that, well, it's tentative. We'll see how it plays out, but we'll call it, I'll call myself Kadoma, which are these forest spirits from uh, Princess Mononoke, and they're actually these ones on my shirt. Make me happy. Um, and so then, solid name. Mm -hmm. And then yours would be so Bert. For your sober journey. Oh, I appreciate that. Sobert. Sobert sober. Reynolds. Sobert. <laughs> Sobert <laughs> Reynolds. I thought I just thought of one for you as we were talking, as you were talking. You like to crochet. It could be crochet butter. <laughs> I don't know if that's online. You know? Okay, we could be part of the cause there is um this one drag queen called Shea Coulee, and we could be Crochet Coulee. Crochet Coulee. Yeah, we could crochet try to be a part of that that house. That's a good game. <laughs> That's a good name. I like that. Both great names. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> names are hard to come up with. Uh, I'm yes, impressed. Yes. Thanks for putting us on the spot, Ilva. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, what a great question. <laughs> so we were just talking, we're going to kind of jump ahead, but um, we were talking about some tricks and whatnot, and um, we actually have another question about a particular trick 
from Bryden. I'd love to hear you elaborate on. Here we go. Hey, Naima. It's Bryden. I miss you. I'm so stoked to hear that you're on the bomb hole. Uh, you should tell the story of the day that you hit the stage dance floor sort of spot in Ogden. And Marcus was there. So was Ilfa. And it was just like such a good vibes day. And that clip is so sick. And to this day, it's one of one of my favorite clips I've ever filmed. So yeah, it'd be cool to hear you tell that story. And also, I would love to hear it from your perspective. Sweet. Talk to you soon. Hope to see you soon. Bye. Wow. I think we need another air horn for Bryden. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the day of that stage... It was interesting. So Bryden had shown me this box. It wasn't too far away from where he lived at the time. And I just saw this giant stage and I just knew that something was possible on it. And I, I didn't know what. A lot of the times I see these spots and I'm like, let the spot kind of take control in a sense, being like, okay, it's turning me this way. I guess we just go that way. And it was really interesting because uh, uh, maybe there wasn't – this, we just kind of had to shovel some snow around because the snow was kind of like light and not sticking to the ground in certain spots. And then uh, as we start hitting it, I remember just thinking at first, like, okay, I'm just trying to board slide to the end. Like, that's my goal. And then as I start going, we just realize there's so much stage that we're not sure that's like enough and then I started to kind of be like okay what if I do like a 180 in there and go from board side to front board and then I started getting to the end but I kept jumping over this staircase that is like little staircase at the end and then uh somewhere in the middle of this battle and trying to figure out how to hit this uh my binding I remember my binding kind of malfunctioning and it wasn't staying clicked in I don't know if you guys have dealt with that but it was very frustrating so so there's this balance of like okay I have to click it just right and if I don't it's gonna like unclick while I am snowboarding and at the same time Bryden is also trying to be like how do I get this angle and he starts running next to me with his camera so he's running the whole stage length while I'm trying to hit this spot so he got his steps in for the day um, as <laughs> well as uh we had this whole thing with these roses and I, I have these giant roses uh that I like to play with and snowboard around. And Ilva found like a, I think some sort of like tiny rose or tiny flower that uh, she was like, this is, this is meant to be like, we found this and uh, you're hitting this spot. Like everything's coming together. And she was also like, but you need to, to like firecracker down those stairs when you get to the end, like you have to. And I was like, I'm so blind right now. I'm just kind of spinning and, and trying to make it uh, work and uh, come to the one of the last tries. I just did the board slide to switch up to front board and then kind of got to the end and jumped around and firecrackered the stairs and landed the trick. And it was the only time that I had firecrackered the stairs. I don't know what was different about that one because I knew it needed to happen. I just didn't know how to make it happen. Uh, and then just happened. So I guess sometimes just uh, letting things go and maybe not being able to see the full vision, but just knowing that it will happen is the best way to go about street snowboarding. 
Yeah. And for those who are unfamiliar with the clip, you go, yeah, you go like board slide, but you're kind of almost blunted on your yeah. tail. And then you hop to like what I would call kind of like switchback tail where you're kind of blunted on the side of it. And then you go 270 firecracker. And the beauty of the shot is the fisheye pans right onto the roses as you firecracker down the stairs. Yeah. So the the roses are like it, it's really interesting because you're like what what's up with those roses what why like I wonder what's up with the, like I that's what I thought when I watched the clip what's up with the roses yeah you know? the roses is a funny thing because like I found these roses and or I got them like the summer before and I was like oh I want to have an idea of like snowboarding around these roses or just having them incorporated in the project and as we started cause I think that was for the second uninvited as we started like filming we were incorporating roses here and there and then we sent jess like mid halfway through the winter some clips and she's like what's up with these roses and we're like well we're just having fun she's like tone it down a little (laughs) like (laughs) uh like we get it you like all this stuff at the same time like i got to do my thing and i was like gotcha that sounds great like if i want to do this thing i'll i'll do it another time another place and uh uh that was kind of a big lesson to learn as well, just to be like, hey, like if you're putting shots into someone else's project, you kind of just have to uh, trust their vision. And uh, yes, you can incorporate your own things. But in the end, if you want to have a project be a certain way, you kind of need to just do it yourself um, and just be okay with, you know, how other people have their visions and you have yours and just kind of let that flow. That's great advice. Well, speaking of Jess Kamara, she uh, sent over a few guest questions. They were very similar to Bryden's, so I'm just going to sum up one of hers because she was asking about creativity and spots, and the one she brought up particularly was in Uninvited 2, I believe, and you does do a nodest spin on a log and then drop in, and she was asking about your creative process for that. Um, so that one is a funny one because the day before was when we hit the stage or when I hit the stage thing. So I was burnt out and beat up and tired. So we go to this, uh, this wooden log that's actually a lot steeper than you think it is. And, uh, I remember being like, I'm not hitting it guys. I'm not snowboarding today. Like I'm tired. I don't know what I would do. And like Ilva and Marcus, I was like, you guys got this. And, uh, they had been hitting it for a couple hours. And then I, at the end of the session, I was like, I have a crazy idea. And they're like, yeah. Or I think I told Bryden kind of like, sometimes when I have these ideas, I don't want to announce it to everybody. So I told Bryden, I was like, I have this crazy idea. I don't know if it's possible. I've never done anything like this before. He's like, well, what is? And I was like, well, what if I did like a, not a spin on the top part of this log and then like 50, 50 down the rest of it. And he was like, oh, you have to try that. I was like, uh, okay, I guess I'll try that. And, um, this is after Ilva and Marcus got their shots. And then I, I tried it the first time and like I got really close and I was like, Oh, I think I got this. And then everybody else was like, yeah, you got this. And, uh, I, I got that in like 10 tries. Wow. It was crazy. It just like came together. It was all supposed to happen. And it was one of those moments where, um, I didn't have any idea of this. I didn't, I didn't know I didn't think of this idea until that moment when I was just watching everybody. And I was like, hmm, let's like, this is a lot of uh, the spots that I've hit have 
started out as a crazy idea and then has just turned into the reality. Love hearing that. Taking thoughts, ideas, making them a reality. We're going to hit a guest question from Jess Kamura. Here we go. All right, guys. Jess Kamura here again with one last question for Naima. And this will be a quick one. Naima, if you could snap your fingers right now and learn how to do any trick in any way that you dreamt of, what would it be and what would that look like? Wow. I actually love that question. That's a, love yeah, that I, question. I actually love to hear your answer on this too, Jones. Um, I want to hear. First off, air horn. <laughs> of course. Thank you. Super air horn? Yes. Jess is a legend. Yeah, we might have to. Okay. Okay. So first trick that came to my mind, which is a dream trick that I've always wanted to do, and I know I will do it one day when I find the right uh, feature, is uh, I think it's called a tea bag. Oh, the front side invert and you rip it back to fake. Yes. Yeah. I've mm-hmm. had many days and nights visualizing this one and it makes sense in my head and I know that it is possible. Just haven't done it yet. But that is a dream trick. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Jones, you got good one good. while we're on it? I do. I for always and maybe forever switch backside three sixty indie. Switch like switch indie. Yep. Really just watch JP's. If mm-hmm. I could do that on command, man, that'd be awesome. I like that. That's it's a good simple. One. Yep. I when I think about one that's just the one that got away that I've tried many a times is back radio seven indie where you like mm. I just my body doesn't work the way but so I like it's like my I love the way I just love the way it looks. And uh Silk D, Silk, what yeah. do you got back there? The one that got away, method back one. Ooh. Ooh. So I like big. it. Yeah. Where's your method Love at? That. Um, when I was doing them, I don't really do that shit anymore. But when I was doing them, it was between the bindings, really cranked around, and then kind of late 180. But just mm. so you just like crank it and up. then pump it, almost like rubber band style. Mm-hmm. A solid I like back it. Never, crack never in the middle of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's killer. So let's talk hand plants because you. You are uh, kind of a hand plant god. <laughs> I don't. I, I would say more of a connoisseur. Connoisseur, okay. Yeah, mm, right. you know, someone who just enjoys the practice. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Enjoys falling and laughing at the same time because it's one of those low risk falls because you're so close to the ground mm-hmm. for the most part. What's your favorite plant? Uh, I would say right now the front side invert. It's probably one of my favorites just because uh, it's, hand plants are kind of the downfall of my snowboarding, I think, in the sense that when I learned how to hand plant, I stopped caring about any other aspect <laughs> of snowboarding. I was obsessed and I loved the concept and I was surrounded by people like Eric Leon, who was so talented. And it he's the reason why they clicked in my head from the very beginning. He told me this one a uh, tip that the next try, I, I tried that tip, I fell, but something unlocked in my head. And since then, I've been able to do them. And not only that, help teach others how to do them. So that's kind of like a, a short-term slash long-term goal of mine is to be able to create spaces to help teach people how to do hand plants. Um, I, think it's, I think it's hard to teach when you don't understand what oh, you're doing. Uh, just to rewind, I want to know the tip. 
The tip, I do too. Yeah. What's the tip? I feel you feel like you're holding kind of. Well, I was just thinking that there. It's a uh, hard. Okay, I'm gonna try and make it so it's a visual thing because we're we don't have the QP in front of us. But uh, the tip is uh, you're going back. So pretty much what you're doing with the hand plan is doing a back 180 on a on a half pipe or a quarter, quarter pipe. pipe. So the tip was to keep your back shoulder closed. And when you open, that's when you penguin slide. So he just told me, keep your back shoulder closed and then and then put your hand, or is it, is that wrong way? It's the wrong way, sorry. Keep your front shoulder closed. Front shoulder closed, There you yep. go. I'm like, which am I regular? Goofy? That makes sense. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so it's keep your front shoulder closed and then uh, put your back hand down. And then I asked him, what do I do with my feet? He was like, nah, you know how to snowboard. You're going to naturally want to land and ride away. Like, that's that's just natural. So I went up, kept my shoulder closed. I fell, but something unlocked in my head. And so that that small tip has gone a very long way. Wow. I like that. That's just Kind of keeps you in the transition because, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It does. I yeah. like it. So. Wow. So, yeah. Wh- yeah. I mean, s- sell me. You're a hand plant connoisseur, self-proclaimed. Sell, sell me on hand plants. Uh, I guess the reason why I started like doing hand plans is because uh, of how stupid you look when you're learning them. <laughs> <laughs> so just a way to like make fun of yourself or fall and laugh and like who cared because you're penguin sliding down and all around. And sometimes when you take those falls and the for learning a backside hand plan or indirect, uh, indirect, yeah. Um, uh, there's a lot of penguin sliding involved, <laughs> and uh. I would just laugh, and I just thought that it made everything so much more lighter, snowboarding so much lighter, and it made me care less about what the people around me were thinking and uh, kind of completely changed my mindset on on snowboarding as a whole. So maybe maybe what we need in snowboarding is just more falling, more lightheartedness that can turn in turn turn into growth and, and learning because you don't care as much. Hmm. God, it's so cool thinking thinking about snowboarding as a whole. It's so great how diverse it is in terms of like mentalities. Like you look at you look at a competitive half pipe rider, those motherfuckers are gladiators, gladiators. doing triple corks and they're like training in airbags and it's like they got coaches with iPads and I'll be honest with you, I like watching it. You know, I'm a fan. I want to go to the gladiator show and watch the Watch watch them go crazy, but I love the 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 kind of other end of the spectrum is like, like especially Bertner. You know, I, talking to him, he's got that mentality about keeping it like lighthearted and fun and low pressure. Yeah, or it's just like, what are your intentions for snowboarding for your life? Like, what would what would bring you that true happiness that will like light up your soul? What does that mean to you? And for me, it's to be able to snowboard for as long as possible. And sometimes that means that I can't do some of the craziest stuff all the time or finding that balance. Because a lot of the times when I've found or I've had I've done certain tricks or certain styles of snowboarding it comes out of an injury of some sort where I physically can't do something right now, but I still want to snowboard. So how can we direct redirect that energy towards something else which sometimes it means how do you stay close to the ground and then you just have to figure it out from there because uh because when it comes down to it my soul and my whole being is 
snowboarding and I you can't I can't picture myself in a life without that in one way or another are you consciously thinking of the long game absolutely you are like that snowboard forever is the statement I'm referring to because I get I believe that in myself I'm sure we could all say that same thing I definitely get lost with that statement though so I'm just curious how you keep that in in your framework constantly um, when you're moving about it? I, I don't think I keep it in my framework because it is, it is, it is me. It just is. Yeah, just like how music is me. There's no difference. It's all the same thing. Like it's in my mind, there's, I guess, my physical being, my mental being, but then snowboarding and even crocheting or uh, music, it's just it's all the same. That's what makes me. So there's, there's no other thought. Um, there's no other thought (laughs) with that, but I guess some tips or some things to remind yourself of why you're here or what you're doing is to, I take a lot of steps back all the time to reflect on where my trajectory is going in life within snowboarding or whatever. And I like to just like think, try to think about the possible outcomes of if I did this or if I did that and if it still aligns with my goal at the very end. And uh, when I do that, it always comes back to just being happy and thankful for where I am right now. That's epic. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I've just really loved the, the, the recognition of like me making music. That's me in my true authentic form. Me mm-hmm. snowboarding. That's me in my true authentic form. Me crocheting is be like and recognizing that because then you can also recognize too sometimes like shit maybe maybe you took some job because you thought it was something you were supposed to do and you became like I don't want to shit on anybody like let's just say like a like a loan officer or something or like not to say that that is fucking some people are going to love the problem solving associated with that or or you know that's not for everybody but you might be recognize that and be like you, you probably wouldn't be your true authentic self if that's what you were doing. I mean, possibly to somebody else, we will never know. Yeah. That could be their dream. Like they could have uh, come from a long line well, of like, loan officers. So, like my aunt, my, my aunt's an accountant and she's like, I love the problem solving. Like she, it lights her up. She mm-hmm. talks about accounting. So I'm not, I'm not saying like, I'm not trying to shit on an, a trait, but I just am saying like recognizing what, um, what lights up your soul. Like I, I just, this might spark something too. So I, I see this healer lady. She's really clairvoyant. I don't tell her anything about myself. I've never told her that I snowboard or skateboard or ride dirt bikes or anything, but she's like, you need to go snowboard and go ride your dirt bike and go skateboard for you to authentically be yourself. She's told me that with that, like with, and, and, and I just think like, you just you saying that highlighted that thing in me and maybe that sparked something for you but i think that's very wise of you to recognize that i feel like it's one of those things that's easy so this is part of that that battle and maybe like as you go on you learn how to navigate yourself through the winters better because i When I first started filming, so I used to just snowboard every single day. I lived in Lake Tahoe area. I would go to Boreal, and I lived 
eight minutes drive. I'm eight minute drive from Boreal. So I sometimes would go there twice a day to just snowboard and ride park or whatever. And that was my life. And then I got into filming street and I stopped going to the mountain as much. And all of that energy just went into just how do I film? How do I save up enough money to go and travel to film? And in turn, I stopped going to the resort. I stopped snowboarding almost for myself because I thought that I needed to be out filming 24-7. And that almost took away a piece of this this joy and happiness that it brought me. And so now fast forward a couple years, I make it a point to be like, I'm going to the resort. I'm not thinking about snow or filming. I'm doing this for myself. I'm going to have fun just taking some laps, cruising, doing whatever I feel like. And that has become like a, it's like a full circle practice that I will never forget to do. And that might, I think with any job or business where something that brings you joy becomes the thing that you make money with. And so then now you have to find that balance of like, how do you continue to have that joy and not let that uh, stress of like, this is your way, how you make a living take over. And uh, I don't know how you guys have dealt with it in the past, but it's a pursuit. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just finding that stability and the things that, that kind of, just why you're doing it, you know, and, and I think it's a normal path to if you're in it for some sort of years, you're going to hit that where the demands are are a little overpowering and you're going to have to work through that. And some people kind of hit it harder. Some people just cruise through it and it's no no problem. But that, you know, those demands of what sponsors are putting on you and those requests, they can feel uncomfortable, but they don't have to be outside of your your wheelhouse. So I think it's finding that is key and just staying in that lane. I think you've done that seemingly very well. It's impressive. Nothing is easy. Nothing's easy. It takes a lot of time and effort and willing to to work towards those goals in the manner that you want to make them happen. Do I think my trajectory could have been different if I went down these other paths, of course, but they didn't align with my, my soul Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't trade my soul for anything. So it's one of those things that if I ever work with a brand or work with people and they won't have me as I am, then it's not going to work out because then they won't get that authentic version of me because I'm already being somebody else or it's just, uh, it's never going to work. I I don't think it will work for anybody Mm -hmm. for that matter. No, I don't think so. Yeah, brand, relationship, anything like that. Uh, I, I think that's an interesting thing, in, interesting topic, because, you know, it might sound like, oh, man, you guys are complaining about snowboarding for a living and getting paid. You guys are living the dream. But I think in any type of thing that you're talking about, like it, if you're a musician and you make money doing gigs all the time, at a certain point in time, make music can start to feel like a job and it's like how do you do the things to make music fun and love again it's the same with snowboarding you know and and so just to kind of go back and highlight that um yeah what it's like why the fuck did we get into it for the first place because you loved it and if you can stay on that as your north star as your compass then as you seem to be well aware of seems to work out well Mm -hmm. it's like that concept i don't know how i'm gonna get there I'm just going to do it and let it all unfold as it goes. But you don't need to know how the outcome is going to be to know that it can happen. 
Mm-hmm. Mm. Just start. Yeah. Keep going on that. I mean, just because I'm interested. Uh, well, for me, it's like sometimes I have these ideas to say like I worked on this project uh, all last winter. And when I was coming up with this idea uh, last last year or last summer, it was the craziest thing. Like I was coming up with this idea and I could see it so clearly that when I made this proposal and the way that I made the proposal was so visual to the point where the people that my companies could also see it very clearly. And I, I didn't know how to describe it or tell other, tell people about it other than like, it's already happened. I see it so clearly to the point Mm. that it's already done. And this was last summer or last fall. And it's one of those things that you don't need to know. So it kind of can go either way. You don't need to know the process of how it's going to happen. It can just happen. Or you can just do the process and not know how the ending result is going to be. It will just be. But I guess it comes back to the fundamentals of trust the process. Enjoy that process. And then everything else will have to work out. It's one of I have this theory that if you keep taking steps, you're going to go somewhere. It's when you stop, you become stagnant and nothing's ever going to happen. But if you keep making those moves towards your goals or towards whatever it may be, sometimes you might even not you might not know what your goals are, you're still going to end up somewhere else <laughs> that might hopefully be better than where you are right now. So I just, I try to live by that. Thank you. Said to give that a quick air horn. horn. Yeah, for sure. Had to smack that a quick on air point. horn on that. Wow. Good stuff. Uh, speaking of conceptualizing projects, that Rick's Granson project that you narrated with Cole uh, was incredible, A. And were you a part of the conceptualization of that? Yeah, that one, that one was fun. I, I was... So this was a winter where I had gotten shoulder surgery uh, the summer before that winter. So I was going into it, telling the companies, like, I'm chilling this winter. I've heard of people getting shoulder surgeries, and then, and this is from dislocating my shoulders all the time, uh, and then they get back to snowboarding and then dislocate their shoulder again. And I was like, I refuse to be one of those people. I just can't deal with this whole process again. It was a whole thing and uh so then I had to get creative of how can you stay productive in snowboarding as a snowboarder without being able to snowboard how you want to or at your top ability and um I ran into Kevin who uh works at Cole yep (laughs) he's a legend and uh it was at one of uh, Max Warvington's Brain Bowl sessions and he We were talking, and I was like, after meeting Ilva, sorry, this is all over the place. I meet Ilva. She's like, you got to come out to Rick's. And at this point in time, I didn't know what Rick's was, and which is crazy because every snowboarder should know what Rick's is about. It's a a magical, magical place. And she was like, Nye, you need to go to this place. You will love it. The people, the environment, everything, like you have to go. And she kept telling me that for years. And I was like, one day I'm going to go. I don't know how, but I'm going to go. And then now fast forward to going to the Brain Bowl, seeing Kevin. And I was like, 
mentioned something about going to Sweden and uh, he was like, yeah, maybe. And I was like, no, like I have this crazy idea. Like what if we went to Sweden with coal? We did a culture piece just to, cause I'm sure there's other people out there that don't fully understand what Rick's is about. And instead of going there, like any other film project where you just get there, film a few clips and that's that you don't really learn the backstory. Let's do a story piece on just this space, this place. And he was like, yeah, maybe we'll see. And then like a week or two later, I, I made a proposal and I sent it to him. And I was like, what do you think? Let's do this. He was like, you know, I mentioned this idea to some of the people at Cole and they seem interested. Like, I think they could be down. So I was like, all right, let's do this. And then I work on a better proposal and then I start to get cold feet. And I'm like, mm -mm, I don't want to do this. This is too much. Now I already know that these people are going to say yes. And it brought this whole wave of anxiety mm. that I just was like, I'm not going to send this proposal. And I'm just uh, feeling overwhelmed because I've never done anything like this before. And then I told my friend Jeff Holse, who should get an air horn, <laughs> Uh, amazing human. I mentioned, I just mentioned to him, like, oh yeah, I have this crazy idea of going to Rick Scranton, and I already know that these guys, or I have a high idea that these guys are going to want to say yes and support it, but I, I just I haven't sent in the final proposal yet. And then Jeff said, nah. Like, why are you afraid of succeeding? And at that moment, I realized whoa, like, what am I doing? Why am I getting in the way of myself? Like, what mm. is wrong with them saying yes and, and going and experiencing this and doing all of this? Like, this is something that you want and uh, you've always wanted. So that after that after that conversation, I sent in the proposal and they said yes and they uh, helped me uh, kind of make this project turn into reality. And I'm so thankful to have had the opportunity to work with a company that was willing to take an idea from someone who's never done anything like this and be like, yeah, you got this, go do it. And yeah. I want to point out the professional thinking in that, like as a snowboarder to create a deck and pitch an idea like this, like I think this is gets in the way of a lot of people's really good ideas because they don't know how to do this. And I mean, I just throw the suggestion out there to the pros. Like, if you want something, go get it. Like, you've created that's the second one that you've spoke to that you've created just in the last little bit. Two decks that I don't even know what they are, but you've talked about two of them. <laughs> yeah. So, you've created full projects. One was so visual that it was done in your eyes. You don't even have the content, but it's done because the plan's like just a hundred. And I hit the, the complaints and the, the feedback I, I get often is that where's our support for this, for that, for this, we'll, we'll get this in front of when these things get spent and you'll find the support. Right. And I think that those visuals and that, I mean, it shows your will to get it done. And I think that is what companies will like they're attracted by that. Oh, look, it's here. Solid vision. The only thing we need to do is put a little bit of money to it and show her we support. And the answer is yes. I think, I mean, take note. 
everyone out there. Like if, if you want something, that's how you get it. Also, it doesn't hurt to, every company has their checklist. Sure. So to factor those into your ideas as well. So a lot of the times I didn't start just by writing this proposal. I kind of did research. I talked to a lot of people trying to figure out, especially within the companies I work with and even companies that I don't work with, uh, just curious to see how they function and how they work. So then when it comes time for me to make this proposal, I can keep that in mind. I can be like, how can I check these boxes? Oh, Cole wants to make more of an appearance out in Scandinavia or Europe. Boom, I have an idea that checks off that box. And then I also get to merge my inspirations and goals with what, I guess, merge or align uh, with what their goals are. So it's not like I'm just, there's a give and take. And I see a lot of snowboarders, at least when I first started getting into project creation, filming and stuff, I've seen a lot of snowboarders just have their ideas and not necessarily fully factor in that these are still companies, that they need to check their boxes off, that they need to sell their things. And so when you have that disconnect, you're probably going to get no's. But when you factor that in, and when the companies see that you're factoring that in or taking that extra step, you might, or at least I hope you'll have a better outcome. Better communication, if nothing else, right? Mm-hmm. I, and you're spot on. I think you're seeing it really clear. You're seeing all the angles. I think that's a is yeah, unique, but that, like you're on what point. you said too is just like, you know, put, like look at it from the, like this is a, what I heard is look at it from the perspective of the companies. They're the ones that are spending all the money to send you out there, what are they getting in return? And if it's not aligned, then then it doesn't make sense. But that's that's great knowledge on that. Yep. Figure out how to align yourself with the companies that you're working with or the people that you're trying to work with. Um, great statement. Work backwards. Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, this. <laughs> I love nerding out about all of this stuff. I've always been very interested on how companies work, not just from the snowboarding side, but from the sales side, from mm-hmm. the marketing side, from the beginning of time side, and like how they got created. And then through that, that's helped me navigate working with all these companies or just navigating snowboarding as a whole. So I f- I, I sometimes get a little bit surprised when I meet people who don't take advantage of, or at least boarders that don't take advantage of this like golden key that we have because a lot of people when it comes to companies have to work their way up from the bottom to the top to be able to even talk to the owners or talk to the people in production and whatnot. But as snowboarders, we have this like backdoor entry that we can talk to the owners, talk to the production people, salespeople, and get all of this knowledge so easily and then in turn help us and help the companies uh, continue to just make the best products and best things out there. So um, just asking those questions can go a long ways, just showing that you care. If you if you care about this stuff, not everybody does, and sure. that's fine. No, but, yeah. Um, that's cool. And think about the brands you ride for, too. It, like, I always think about this. Like, a brand is just the people that are a part of it. It's like the brand is just the people, really. You know, like, it's not like some Instagram suggested, like, I mean, maybe if you're looking for, like, a functional 
product for your kitchen or something. But like for snowboarding and the shit that we care about, it's like it it's it's the people. And you, have you ever been to any sales meetings? Yeah. Yeah, and it's like you realize that real quick at a sales meeting. You're like, oh, these guys are out here selling the board that I designed or whatever. And it's like you got to have relationships with people all the way up from the person doing customer service to the reps to the team managers to the whatever, you know? Like I have talked to Barrett about this in the past where she would talk about when she was a writer and it was in the contracts back then to – have to go to the sales or the con- uh, what do you call them the trade show trade shows there trade you go shows. like the trade yeah. shows or sales like you have to go to these shops and meet the people um the general public i guess in that sense or the sales reps in that sense and it's not a thing anymore because as snowboarding progressed it was like oh should the riders keep filming for their part or go to their competition or should they come to the sales meetings and whatnot and it it kind of got disconnected but now I'm realizing, or at least for me, I think that there needs to be more connection between the riders and what's going on in the backgrounds of the companies and that there is a lot of disconnect right now, uh, which is making it harder for the ideas of the riders to get pushed through to the backside of the companies and vice versa. So it's like my uh, mission right now is just to like try to bridge that gap and and take that initiative to understand and learn all right right along the lines of what we're talking about uh we spoke with nirvana yesterday and she has a cool insight into an experience you guys had with the brand so i'm gonna hit play on this hey naima it's nirvana stoked you're in the booth would love to hear the story arc of how we were able to start wearing baggier fits during our time on Air Blaster together. Um, what are your thoughts on the ideas leading up to it? What contributed to the change and how you see it going in the future? Um, can't wait to listen. I uh, hope you guys have a good one. Bye. Wow. Nirvana, Airhorn. Oh, I hit a homie's cooked and said wrong soundboard. <laughs> you can always throw that but one. But homie's in cooked is also is almost more <laughs> yeah. prestigious, actually. Wow. Yep. Uh, so with with Air Blaster, getting onto Air Blaster, I remember at the very beginning, I knew that I wasn't the biggest fan of their women's fit, and I also knew, being me, I just like went and asked a bunch of people around, like at least girls around who I knew were affiliated with Air Blaster at one point or another, uh, like how it went for them, and they all said the same thing, where they were like, they don't let girls wear the men, and this is years ago or whatever, but they didn't let the girls wear the men's clothing and then the girls clothing at the time was all the same fit they had three pants and they were all the exact same silhouette at least in my eyes and I like to think at that time I was a general consumer at this point so I there was some flaws in my head where I'm like if it's all the same silhouette we're only getting one they're only getting one demographic at that point and uh and then Nirvana was on Air Blaster and I just knew that I couldn't stay on this program if this was what I had so I had to try to do something and so many people told me don't do it don't waste your time like Mm -hmm. people like some things are just never going to change like we've tried and nothing happened what's gonna what's gonna be different for you 
And I'm like, well, I haven't tried. And it's one of those things that things have to come in waves and we all have our turns and you did your turn and I'm so thankful for that. Now it's my time to try. And uh, I told Nirvana, I'm like, I am getting pretty much like a whole PowerPoint presentation together of all the fits that I have received with Air Blaster this past year. And I'm just writing details of like what I liked about it and what um, I thought could change. And then at the same time, I'm going to also get some of the, uh, this is when the boss pants came out, which are these like baggy or almost sweat pant looking pants that have like the scrunch at the bottom. And I was like, I'm going to get my hands on a pair of these and then I'm going to do my review on that as well. And I asked Nirvana, would you like to join in on this, you know, power and forces? She's like, yep, I'm down. And so she also sent in some sort of giant list along those same lines. And we were just there to describe kind of like as a rider doing an athletic sport, like sometimes having skin tight pants that you can't even fit your phone in isn't going to work. And uh, we just need a little bit more diversity in the line. And that's just part of the times. And she did that and they responded really well to it. And on top of that, I also like every time I went to the hill and I saw a girl in the boss pants, I would take a photo like from afar and snipe a photo and then send it over to the team manager at the time being like, look, like people are already doing whether whether we're marketing it or not. Like think about how many other people could be interested in this and kind of uh, I guess I just tried to paint this picture that there's room to to have more diversity within the line. And they um, they must have liked it because now it's fully a uh, thing within Air Blaster and not only that we've been able to work together to to come up with some other types of uh, silhouettes to, to try and include different body types because I also was noticing like within the riders at least like we're all pretty small some are shorter some are taller but in the end we're probably ranged between small and large or medium or something but no like extra extra larges or super talls and whatnot and uh and then that kind of segued into uh, some other concepts for creating a, a more diverse line. So I'm very thankful that Air Blaster was willing to listen and act on, upon these ideas because an idea is one thing, but to actually turn it into reality is a whole nother thing. So there's a lot of back and forth that is involved with that. <laughs> well, kudos to you guys for making that happen hey that's fucking awesome and i was wondering just in the general broad spectrum snowboarding i see um a lot of things heading towards like unisex products what are your thoughts on that um i think that the unisex from products from my research <laughs> would be that it all depends on uh the sales reps and the shops, if the shops can find a place to put the product in that that will uh, bring in both guys and girls, because it seems like a lot of people on the shop side and the shop layout like to have a flow of their shop where there's the woman's side and the men's side. So there so there isn't really a unisex side and a lot of uh, people like to stick to their sides. Um, and this is just coming from general public uh, information 
which is called market research, which I didn't realize I was doing this whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a name for it. Yeah, you're phenom- phenomenal at um, it, actually. So I kind of start there being like, okay, if they're, if the shops, and it's not just one shop, it's almost all the shops, and even just basic store like Target or whatever, once they start making the unisection section of their store, that will we'll probably see that more in snowboarding. Mm-hmm. But for right now, the general consumer, I don't think feels comfortable enough to go into either like either side to find that that section or I don't know how that works. It's an interesting take because even though there's this lane of the companies producing something that is being asked for on some levels and, but it, it might not even be able to be applied totally because of this barrier that you're talking about. I think it's interesting. I never even thought of that. Like the the programming of how this is sold totally matters. The marketing behind how this is sold, it totally matters. And so you can't really just come out with the unisex thing and then drop it because where is it going to sit? Mm-hmm. I and, think that's a great take. And so then... That also leads into the sales reps because let's say the companies have this idea for a unisex line, but the sales reps aren't on board with it or don't understand it or they need a storyline to be able to market that to the shops. And so if they don't understand where where you're coming from, they're probably not going to talk it up in any way. And uh, my one instance of kind of seeing the reality of that was uh, first getting onto Air Blaster, the boss pants is slowly starting to be rolled out for females to wear. And I asked um, uh, the team manager at the time, like, oh, is there any like conventions or trade shows happening around Salt Lake City area? I would love to meet the Air Blaster rep and see how they do in the, at this convention kind of thing, like what, what their deal is about. And Uh, They were like, actually, there's one happening this weekend, which was two days from then. And I go and I get in contact with the sales rep's name is Matt. And um, and I was like, I'm just here to observe. I'm just curious to see how you sell the product to the to the. Uh, shops and I watch him and the first pitch he's kind of just like overlooks the the unisex line or the girls wearing the boss pants uh, for the shop owner and I was like oh why did you do that like these pants are amazing he was like oh well you know I don't think that the people are gonna really like it or the consumers like I, I just don't think that the shop owners are gonna understand where we're coming from I'd be too progressive or so for right now and I and then I just kind of went on my spiel of like okay for a short person these boss pants are amazing because there's a scrunch at the bottom so you never have to worry about your uh your feet or your pants dragging and like all these other marks uh, that I had thought of that I'm just like these are there's so many reasons why females would love these pants and then that next pitch, he started pitching it completely different because mm-hmm. he saw my passion and my whatever coming out of that to be like, this is how it needs to be. The consumers might not know it yet, but they're going to know it because it's practical. And uh, it's practical not only for the top snowboarder, for but for a beginner who wants just like an easy functioning like outfit and whatnot. Um, and then me not thinking anything of that experience fast forward like two years later I see that and I have a colorway now with Air Blaster and I see that rep at Interlude and he's wearing one of my colorway jackets 
that I like, you know, I didn't think that. I don't know if he just liked the colorway or if it was for that experience. Maybe it's one and the same. But I do feel like that when the riders show up to these types of things that normally that they normally wouldn't, it can leave such a big impact to the people around you that you could possibly ever fathom. I put my bet on that it was just that interaction with you. I mean, that's such a selling, like, mega force for that, for Matt. Is that what you said his name was? He, and then now he responded to you. You're a fan of him. He can feel that because he respected your information and you saw that change. And I think he's going to take that to the bank. He's going to go so hard because he has your support and your voice and feels like he can, he can magnify that in his space. I think that's, you're, you are unique in this space, like 100%. There's not many that I know that quickly that will be able to have that detailed of a scope of all the things that are actually happening. And you position yourself in that really well. Um, it's impressive. Thank you. I feel like I just am curious and I grew up learning to question everything around me. So by questioning, you in turn learn. By asking, you're going to learn. And sometimes you don't need to experience these experiences for yourself. You can learn from asking these questions from other people that have gone through these experiences. So it's um, yeah. a, hum- a humble answer, but very true. I got a note here that you uh, like to lurk snowboard Facebook groups. Yes. <laughs> What's going on on yeah. those things? Well, I don't look lurk all the time, but sometimes I, I it just comes back to market research where, Got it. Um, especially during the time when I was trying to push like uh, just having a different silhouette for the Airbuster pants, um, lurking on these Facebook groups, especially like the Women Who Snowboard group, I learn so much without needing to say anything like one person ask what kind of snowboard pants should I get I have like a bigger bottom and a smaller waist and I have trouble finding a good fit and then I just lurk on the comments to see what people are saying Mm. and uh, sometimes most of the time they get men's outerwear they're just like it's less fitted which means that there's more room for for mobility um, and then just kind of see what these companies are about and what they're doing and why these people uh are recommending them because a lot of the times they're not the companies that you'd think they'd be. They're really random companies I've never heard of. And I'm like, this is this is the general public though. So that is what is true. Whatever yeah. I think doesn't necessarily matter um, because I'm not the one going out buying this stuff brand new. Market research. The new lurk. <laughs> so we've been going for a while here, Naima. I think it's time for a segment of the show we like to call What Silk? Name that video part. All right, Naima, what's your confidence level zero through ten? Um, confidence level is low, mm. but I will give it my best. Okay, I like that. Uh, we have a situation here where there's 
It's actually multiple correct answers for this because it's been used a song that's been used a few times. Oh. Um, so, uh, but <laughs> are you looking for one? <laughs> um, you know, I'll, I, there's multiple that are acceptable, so okay. we'll see. Yeah, I'm not. I, there's one that I think she'd be the most familiar with, but we'll see how she does. Here we go. It's Ilva. Woo! Uninvited. Congratulations. Well done. Wow. Congratulations. Wow. You got yourself a prize pack. Oh my goodness. It's a duffel bag full of bomb hole goods. We got a bunch of new hats in there, Silk. Like the oh, one yeah. you're wearing. Yep. Bombhole.com. Yeah. And in that duffel bag, I loaded it up myself. Yep. Silk wow. packed that up. You got any problems? Take it up with Silk. I'm not accepting feedback. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to say something, but it's... <laughs> what? Say it. So I told you how I'm going to go to pick up Ultimate Frisbee game tomorrow. Yes. I was like, I really need a duffel bag for my new cleats. Here there it is. There it is. <laughs> Look at the universe. <laughs> the universe provides. Yep. You got a duffel bag for the cleats. Oh, love yeah. it. <laughs> wow. Expanding on the opportunities in front of you. Yep. Mm, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. For part two, name the video part. This isn't for you. Name this is for our listeners. So if you know the video part, comment on the thumbnail photo on Instagram of Naima. Here we go. Okay. Thank you, guys, for playing. Name that video part. I still get a little giddy anytime I hear these these samples in my ears. It's pretty rad in here. The name that video I just gotta part. Gotta say all of it. Oh the yeah, the intro, all of it. It's dope. It's fun. We're lucky you get to have these combos. So who was the other person that had that? Who had that song? Ooh, you're putting me on the spot. I think it was in a People video. Uh, I don't remember the name of it. It's An like a Quebec. It's like a Quebec segment. It's mm. like where they they did. It, it was a travel based one. But anyway, somebody will Say angrily it. comment in the comments, so we they'll take care of that. The, be, the question is: Is there like a time limit? Like after a certain amount of years, you can kind of reuse, revamp. Or are we going to get into the unwritten laws of snowboard? <laughs> the well, un- unwritten snowboard law of hypo- rule book? Hypothetical rules. It's only yeah. the rules if you want to go by them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, I think there's there's certain songs that are kind of untouchable. You know? That there, like, I, I think I would go with that. There's just seem... I think just feel it. Feel it out. I mean, I've heard redos of songs in parts, and I've been totally happy with the redo. Mm-hmm. And and it didn't strike me as anything odd. But there are a few songs that you'd be like, eh. I think if you're making a video, find your biggest snowboard nerd friend <laughs> and ask them if they know if the song's been used, if you're not a nerd yourself. And if th- that said nerd says, no, I've never heard that in a video, then you think you're good. But it's again, it's about market research. Market research. And you know that well. Part of it is like I think the the thrill of the video part song is like finding something that nobody the little diamond in the rough. Yeah. What about when people put the same song out in one year? Oh, well that's that you can't do anything about that. Yeah. 
Can't do anything about that. That's Those are tough. Bad timing. Bad timing. That said, these days, you kind of don't get that excuse because no one's really in the closet anymore doing their edit like it used to be. You used to have no exposure. So I think you could just come out and show up with two videos with oh. the same song. I think it's a little harder these days. Maybe not, though. I could be wrong on that. Just thought. Yeah, absolutely. Well, talking about uh, product stuff, I think uh, riding for GNU. Uh, love the graphic you're on right now. But I know you've worked with Hannah Eddy on some graphics, which we have to give. You know what? I'm yeah, going to give Hannah Eddy a homies cooked instead. Oh, yeah. Homies cooked. <laughs> um, and, uh, I've missed that one. I've missed that one. It's been a <laughs> always, always we, hits the spot. Actually, we should probably drop the <laughs> yeah. whole Young Dolly soundbite yeah. of everything. That, you know, just to give a little context here to just derail this entire freight <laughs> yeah. train. Let's go full uh, Dolly. So Young Dolly, I told him we needed a soundbite for the intro. And he recorded a multitude of homies cooks, and this is this is the recording he sent. Hey yo, homies cook. Hey yo, what the fuck, homies cook. Hey yo, homies cook. <laughs> Are you a good? Hey, it's you about homies cook. Are you a good? Homies cook. I said, I see a homeless cook. It's so good. That's actually a trademark slogan, I think, from Young Dolly Inc. So (laughs) don't try to use it. It was beautiful. Thanks, Young. Yeah, how was working with uh, Ganu on the Hannah Eddy graphing? Um, That one's a fun story as well. (laughs) I, a few years ago, actually, let's go to the very beginning. Let's go all the way When I first started, kind of getting more momentum with Air Blaster and GNU, I remember talking to Max Warbington, and he was like, yeah, Airhorn. <laughs> he was like, if you have an idea, just put it out now because it probably won't happen for three to four years. So just start just start putting them out right now. And I was like, all right, game on. So I just started spewing ideas left and right. Most of them, they'd just be like, no, 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 no. And then one day I came up with this idea for a snowboard graphic where I was like, I want to have plants on the base of my board and then we can market it as a plant-based board. And let's be honest, there's probably a lot more plant parents out there that have a lot more money than regular parents that can afford this type of stuff. So let's do this. And so I, I pitched that idea to Barrett and she was not down. <laughs> or she just like didn't understand. I, I don't think I, I explained it right. Um, so she didn't understand. And then the next year she comes around asking team riders like, Hey, you guys have any ideas for concepts for boards and stuff? And I was like, you know what? I'm pitching that same idea again, because I know it's a good idea. I had told Hannah about it. And at this point she had already been making graphics for GNU and Hannah loved the idea as well. So this time Hannah made a little like mock-up of a plant-based board that we had thought of. And then I pitched the idea to Barrett again. And she was like, Oh, I see where you're coming from. Like, let's let's try to see if the others are down with it. And then, luckily, everybody else at GNU was down for this concept. And then that is what has led into this board graphic. And uh, I'm just like very happy with being able to have these ideas and these concepts come to life and seeing all the force of everybody around rooting for it as well it's it's not it, always like that is, is it a plant-based board uh i mean there's 
a plant on the base. There's a plant. So literally, there's a plant on I the mean, base. I mean, that's, like that's pretty like drag name right there. Yep, exactly. Like drag name base. It's literally graphic. a plant based board. Yeah. yeah. So there's that's, that's, it's money. Board. Yeah. I love it. Wow. Um, Genius. Yeah. Then I know that it kind of ties in with uh, GNU having some, using some materials that go along those lines. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say anything because I don't know specifically what. The, the tech. The names are, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, yeah, so through that, it's been doing well, uh, seeming seeming so. It's fun to, once again, after having these ideas become reality, go to these trade shows or places where you can meet the sales reps and ask them straight up, like, hey, how's this going? How are people receiving this concept? And then, uh, you know, just let me know if there's anything that we can work on or, like, how can we make it so everybody is uh, – succeeding and this can stay around for a long time well while we're talking about this board the board that you ride i want to hear you kind of in detail describe what's up with it size flex name of the model bindings all that so this board is the gnu velvet it is a 143 that i ride for park stuff and street stuff and then i ride a 147 or 8 for backcountry stuff and uh the flex is flexible. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's the flexible flex. Yeah, it's it's a twin, asymmetrical. You know, I might just be throwing words out there. Might be right, might be wrong. Sorry, guys. Um, I know I should know better. Kind of a true or false kind of thing. It comes yeah. back yeah, to true just or false. the feeling. <laughs> it's an asymmetrical, maybe. <laughs> maybe uh, you a guys twin. figured it out for yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Maybe know. it's directional. I don't you know. know. If you go to the website, all the information laid out very clearly, um, that's probably your best bet for. Just search plant base. Yeah. <laughs> the velvet works for you. And then what are you rocking bindings? Bindings is the bent metal. Uh... <laughs> Amazing. This is incredible. Stylist. Stylist. <laughs> Great binding. <laughs> I, I like to think that it's not about the product itself. It's the feeling of how you feel when you're in the product, when you're riding mm, it. Yeah. So I, I, I get a little bit lost um, on the names by the act of doing. How do you pick that specific binding? Um, this binding, I I feel like I just tried out a couple different ones from them, and which I think they have just like two or three for the women's bindings. And... Uh, these ones felt the most comfortable. It's one of those types of bindings where I would strap in for the first time, rocking a new pair, and they immediately feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And that does not always happen. Does not. Hey, Good Silk. Reason. We got a. Uh, we got any Patreons over there? Yes, sir. We got one from Morrison. Says, Shout out to Mo. Let's give yeah. him a horn. Says, "What does it mean to be a part of the soy sauce nation?" Ah, Morrison. Um, What I like to think with the Soy Sauce Nation is, first off, I absolutely love everything that they're doing and just creating a space for the Asian community. Um, But I think it's more than just the Asian community, kind of anybody that, I guess, in this realm of snowboarding, they're isn't a lot of diversity so just i guess a more diverse community and giving a safe space for this for this community because uh when we go to these events these gatherings and bringing people together i realize that 
very rarely within snowboarding am I surrounded by a lot of kind of like-minded people in the sense of how we grew up, the food that we ate or mm. the, you know, the, the people, the culture that we were surrounded by that might not just be fully white American. Um, and, uh, and just kind of having that, uh, when you see it, you can believe it mentality kind of also bringing it back to like seeing Jess in think thick movies growing up when I just started getting into snowboarding. Like she was one of the first females that was Asian that I saw street snowboarding. And that was that like light bulb in my head, like, Whoa, she kind of looks like me. Like I, I could do that. I can see myself there. And I think that is something that the Soy Sash Nation events bring together. Just that movement brings together on, um, a more everyday platform and a more in-person platform because you now have this ability to meet everybody in person, snowboard with them. And um, I think that there's so, so much space for not only in Snowy Sauce Nation, but any other type of event that brings in these kind of like smaller communities to make a home for them. Yeah, the shit is rad. It's so fucking cool. Who, who's who are some of the who are some of the affiliates that the head honchos over there? Oh, uh, we got AK, we got Nirvana, Tokes. I would say those are kind of the top three dogs. Uh, KVP also helps. She's been doing a lot of the the, the graphics for the shirts. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it makes me happy just to be able to nerd out about food in general. Mm. <laughs> Uh, the types of food that was very normal for me to grow up around. And then a lot of my friends uh, that didn't grow up in an Asian household don't understand. But something as simple as like having rice on the rice uh, in the rice cooker at all times, 24-7. If you ever wanted rice, it was there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was actually talking to Rav. He said, he's like, you know, you could probably do about an hour plus show on Aima's love just for rice. <laughs> not wrong (laughs) um yeah when i went to japan a few years ago i somebody asked me or one of my japanese friends asked me what's your favorite food you've had here i was like rice they're like really i'm like yeah rice maybe miso soup and and the green tea and they're just like all the very basic things that (laughs) that you just can get anywhere i'm like yeah that's my favorite That's so cool. Uh, I heard that you guys, you have a serious love for cooking and that you go to the grocery store and spend hours going up and down. Like, it's like a whole experience. <laughs> Let me guess that was Mike saying hours. <laughs> maybe. Allegedly. <laughs> I will not confirm or deny these allegations <laughs> at this moment. Not hours. He loves it. <laughs> um, it's yeah. exactly what it needs to be, right? Yeah. I guess it's one of those places, it's a it's a happy place for me where there's a lot of optimism and you can just kind of walk around and get lost, similar to being on hill and hiking in the backcountry, just being in the woods. You just kind of walk around and lose yourself in, in the environment and the possibilities. And I think that's why I enjoy cooking and going to the store and just making a, a ritual out of it. Mm. That's so cool. It's a lot of common theme of like creating, whether it's like a pitch deck, uh, a hat, a freaking food. You yeah, know? the creativity just seems nonstop. And a lot of it's not even seemingly idea driven sometimes. It's, well, I guess the idea is there, but the, the end isn't there. You're just like, you know, let's just do this. 
it's a creative thought, follow it, and it turns into something. There's a lot of that. I think it's very cool. Well, that brings in my whole concept of what is creative, what is creativity, because lately I've been adapting this mindset of I don't think I'm creative. I think that's just how I'm wired. That's Mm -hmm. how my mind works. So for me, that's kind of the only option, the only way that I see life as opposed to maybe somebody else who sees life in a different way so that my point of view comes out as creative. But I guess from my point of view, it's just normal. It's your soul. It's your characteristic. I I get this quote in my office that is, you know, there's all these things searching to grab our attention all the time. It's hard to sometimes like, I know like being in the moment or creative or whatever you want to call it. We have all these distractions. We got our phone, we got, Instagram, you got TikTok, you got all these messages coming in, kind of takes you, those things all take you out of that. So I have this quote in my office that says, an addiction to distraction is the death of creative production. Hmm. So so how do you, how do you, like, you seem like a master of combating the distraction. Mm-mm. Truly. No, you're <laughs> no not? No way. I, I love getting distracted. Okay. It's nice because sometimes that takes you away <laughs> from where your mental state is, you know? There's definitely a balance to okay. it. Okay, cool. <laughs> I like that. (laughs) Like everything, but you're not wrong with that. Also, like uh, David Lynch has, he's mentions, I think it's David Lynch, but he mentions that like negativity is also the destruction of creativity as well. So there's like, there is a sense of this, like whether it's negative or distraction, um, I guess in the end it's just consciousness. Are you aware of your surroundings? And if you're not, then that's going to obviously take you, steps back as opposed to trying to be more aware of your surroundings. Um, But there's balance to everything, you know, and sometimes you have to hone in and uh, really focus on these things. And sometimes it's nice to, to let yourself breathe, like give yourself some slack, you know, you can't always be perfect, whatever that means. Sometimes you got to saddle up for six episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> like me, this weekend. Are you kidding me? I get, get so familiar. much creative energy. Oh, you're getting, oh, so you're pulling this bow. Okay, not like, distracted. You can watch episodes from like 10 years ago, and these queens are ahead of pop culture. By like, like the whole popular culture starts to follow suit of what these people were doing 10, 15, 20 years ago. Wow. So for me or for companies, I've told my companies, I'm like, if you guys need inspiration of what the future is going to look like, go watch what these drag queens are wow. doing. So that's not a distraction. I like that <laughs> reframe. That's, an yeah. in, that's inspo. No, it is amazing. The reframe <laughs> is great. Yeah. So, so going to one thing I got to talk about is, you know, you, you wear a helmet. It's a, it's a, for, it seems situational, but for the most part, um, a lot of people talk. About, it's a common. The, the, our listeners are, are always want to know, like, why do you pros not wear helmets? And I want to hear your your position on where you stand with helmets. Um, I stand with coming back to whatever you need to do to be the best version of yourself. So whether it's wearing a helmet or not wearing a helmet, do you? Um, sometimes I feel like I like wearing helmets. Sometimes I don't wear helmets because my goggles don't fit the way that I need it to, to function at the way that I need it to function or vice versa. Like it could be so many different things going on and that's up for the person to decide on their own as for judging people for whether they wear helmets or not. That's also up to them and not to you. So you don't have to, I don't know. I think that a lot of people get caught up in what 
everybody thinks about them. And that's okay because it's easy to get caught up in that. But in the end, you have to feel what's good, like what's right for you. And if it feels right or wrong, you just go down that path. Damn, that was why that was the best description I've ever heard of like of this kind of hot uh, touchy subject you could say that's almost polarizing the best way I've ever heard it explained uh, mm, a take on it shuts you up there's no more argument <laughs> <laughs> just do whatever you want <laughs> who cares you know what I think uh, I'm gonna go back to air blaster for a second here you a couple years ago you painted a spiral on both of your like what would be like almost like a knee patch type of thing did you ever pitch for them to make that pant that'd be a cool pant no, I never pitched that. Um, I had so many people on Hill asking me about those pants, or my pants, knowing that they were asking about the spirals, but me knowing that I just drew them and they'd never <laughs> buy them like that. Um, but the thing with something like that is that it's a lot harder. Me doing my research and understanding how these pants are made, that it's n- almost, it's possible, but it's, a lot harder than one might think to make some sort of print like that. So it's not even worth it for me to bring up to them because I, I'd rather pitch ideas that I could get a yes in and not uh, waste anybody's time. Mm. Market research. <laughs> it all, it all goes, everything goes back to market research. <laughs> well, it's, all, it's just business, all you know? Re- <laughs> when you stop thinking of these companies as your, your friends, which it sucks because, yeah, sometimes you are friends with the, the people in it and start thinking of it as a business and your business, your your outcome might be a lot different than you might have thought before when you try to be buddies with the people mm-hmm. around you. Facts. Now, now that hat you're wearing now, I, I know that Cole took one of your hat designs and then actually kind of put it into production, right? Is, was it that hat right there? No. Oh, it wasn't that one. That hat's no. like, that hat's fucking awesome. Upside down smiley face, right Thank side you. up smiley face. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like to call this one the who are you hat. <laughs> <laughs> and you can kind of switch it, put it around in different if faces to see how you're feeling. Oh, you, you put the like one the in the front hat. that indicates your mood? Uh, not always, but sometimes it just ends up wherever, but it's you can if you want to. Mm. Um, but yeah, so with Cole, another one of those crazy ideas, I started getting into crocheting and I was making, um, and I was making hat patterns and I was like, I want to find a way to be able to combine crocheting or knitting with snowboarding. And I know that there's a way to make that happen because anything is possible. And, uh, I was actually out uh, at Grizzly Gulch watching, I think it was uh, a pyramids session going down. Pyramid um, gap, yeah. I think so. Um, or was it Chad's? Chad's is the higher Who, one. Yeah, uh, no, pyramids higher. Oh, okay, pyramids. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so it was a pyramid session, and this one guy comes out, like, splitboarding out of nowhere with a couple people, and it turned out to be this uh, nook from Volcom. Yep. And we start chatting, and it was fascinating because he kind of does a lot of market research and stuff for his job and in, in sales and whatnot, and I told him, I'm like, I have this crazy idea that I want to pitch to this hat company. Like, I don't know if it's going to happen or how I'll make it work, but, like, you know, three-year three-year goal kind of a thing and he was like oh you got this like go just go try it out kind of a thing and then literally within six months everything started to fall into place with uh 
telling Cole I wanted to get a hat going with them that we can attach a pattern that I had created. So somebody buys the hat, they get to a QR code to the pattern to be able to crochet it if they like. Mm. Um, and then they they seem to like the idea because now it's uh, going to be hitting the shelves, I think, this, this fall or so. And then on top of that, I was kind of like felt like the hat was missing something when I was wearing it earlier this winter. So I decided to add some bunny ears to the hat. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to tell the people at Cole. I'm sure like, like whatever. I'm just going to wear these bunny ears and just be happy in, in this hat. And then, of course, the next day I run into like the whole Cole crew and I'm wearing the hat with bunny ears. <laughs> And I see them thinking they're going to be kind of like annoyed or something that I changed the hat up. And they weren't. They loved it. They were like, if you can make a pattern for the bunny ears, we'll add it to the hat. And if people just want to add bunny ears to the hat, then they can do that. And uh, and just like that, we were able to create a way to merge crafting and snowboarding. That's awesome. Legendary. I could see Silk D in one of the bunny, deer, bunny ear hats. That's yeah, I'd run that. Yeah, he'd run that thing up. Sales would be through the roof if you throw him in that thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was noticing every year at Brain Bowl, you seem like you thrive in that environment, too. Um, Yeah, I think it's it's playful. It's When you see someone like Max, Max Warbington t- dissecting a course like that, it's in person especially. It's amazing because this type of snowboarding is not easy there's a lot of quick transitions quick thinking you have to be light on your feet and it's not not for everybody it's very uh mindful it's very mindful and uh i find fun in those environments i like the fact that uh you can build whatever you want or like as the time goes on the course completely changes. So from day one, you're there building stuff and snowboarding, but by day three, it's going to be a completely different course because someone's like, oh, like I think we can make a gap from this spot to another spot. So we're, let's just get like 10 people over here building it. And it's it's beautiful. It's community. And I've never seen something like that before. But then on that end, I've also seen it in another, another side where it's like, some beginners are coming out and uh, they they aren't good enough to ride some of the more difficult features. And I've like built little butter pads to be like, all right, let's let's just work on butters, you know, like, have you guys done that before? And just like finding ways to get people of all abilities to have fun on a course where um, can be Im- intimidating at first glance. But when you take a closer look, you can find things that are at your level and mm-hmm. ability. Mm-hmm. One thing thinking about uh, the difference between a, a civilian border, f- recreational border, and somebody who is sponsored, generally there's just a tremendous amount of shoveling. <laughs> like they're just not used to that much shoveling. You yeah. Know? Like we we shovel a lot. A lot. I feel like I joke around with this. Maybe you guys have in the past where we're just – glorified shovelers yeah absolutely labor yeah that's, yeah. that's our job say. title I just shovel a lot of snow 90 percent <laughs> shovel 10 percent shred most of yeah. the day is spent taking the snow from here and putting it over there <laughs> what are you gonna do today and then 
taking it somewhere <laughs> after that. <laughs> okay, but what about the shovel technique? Oh, are we you getting the shovel technique? So many different people. Okay, Johnny O'Connor, by far uh, one of my favorite shovel techniques mm-hmm. that I've seen with just like the push shovels. Who yep. like pile up a sp- like a huge pile of snow onto these push shovels, like maybe half to taller than his height and then lug snow around. Mm-hmm. And that kind of changed my mind for push shovel um, <laughs> usage. The pusher, when you start bringing pushers on the trips, it's like a whole, you almost have a piece of heavy equipment. You you take like five people with push shovels, you're pretty similar to a front end loader at that point. Yeah, you can move a lot of snow. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the push shovels. Shout out to the push. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Should we give him a homies cooked? Yeah, let's <laughs> homies, homies cooked. Yeah. I remember one year we flew to Japan and I checked like seven shit pushes or something. Or we call them shit pushes. <laughs> shit pushers, yeah. And uh and it's just like you show up at the airport and you're just like and, and that's so nice. Then in the summer you fly carry on, you don't have like a board bag, six shovels, a freaking whatever. Yeah. Makes you appreciate when you don't got all those. The tools of the trade with you. Mm-hmm. What's ridiculous is when you find this sh- uh, summer with your snow gear. You just feel like an idiot walking around the airport with your board bag. <laughs> it's like 100 degrees out. All right, Naima, we're going to get into a guest question from Melissa Rotano. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys. Melissa here. I got a question for your guest, Naima. I think the people need to know about your little Ripa era. And don't leave out any of the details. You know what I mean. <laughs> Can't wait to hear it. I hope you guys are having fun. Uh, Melissa, <laughs> thank you for a good question. For those of you that don't know, Little Ripa666, um, that used to be my Instagram name <laughs> once upon a time. And uh, Great handle. It is. It was, I, I kind of came up with it in a time when a lot of people just had their first and last name and I wanted something different and uh, or just more fun and playful. And um, I don't know. I feel like this goes back a long ways, back before Instagram was a thing um, to like the beginning of my high school times when I would go to the mountain and uh, like there would be like guys around our age snowboarding and it'd be me and my other friend that's another girl and uh we would like know them hang out with them but we weren't like really good friends with these people and I remember one time we uh we were driving home on the highway and one of these guys that we didn't know that well but knew enough to know their name I guess uh kind of pulled up next to us on the highway and his friend was driving and this kid was like on the passenger seat and he puts up a little sign uh, against the window and, and it says, women snowboarding sucks. <laughs> and my friend and I were like, we didn't even bat an eye. We were like, yeah, we get it. Like women snowboarding sucks. Like this is, I guess that was just part of the era. It was just ingrained in our souls that we we're just like, cool. Like girls suck at snowboarding and we're girls. So what you're saying is that we suck at snowboarding. Like we get it, but we also like, that's all we know. And we didn't even think twice about that saying. We kind of laughed it off because we we're like, yeah, it's true. So fast forward after that whole time of growing up in that environment, I just was like, I 
don't want to be a girl in snowboarding because girls suck and I don't want that. And uh, it's t- and then through that, it kind of like turned into me like wanting to snowboard wearing like baggier clothes or covering my face, covering my hair and uh, which progressed into being like, I'd rather look like a little kid than look like a girl, which obviously hindsight, I'm like, that's so messed up. All of that is so messed up, but that was just my reality, and that was just my process of uh, getting through that time in my life. And uh, and then one day now, Instagram times is a thing, and one day I'm at the hill and about to drop into a jump, and some guy next to me that I don't know is just like, you got it, Lil Ripa, and I was like, oh, I like that, and that's kind of what turned into the Lil Ripa <laughs> era, and uh, um. I just like that uh, there was no uh, gender affiliated with it. Mm. And now I've come to terms with the fact that I am a girl in snowboarding. And not only that, that I am proud of who I am within snowboarding and what I've done. And uh, it's just taken a long, a long road to get there. But it is something that uh, I guess times were crazy back then. <laughs> Maybe they still are now in different ways, but that was that was the reality that we were living in. Damn. Do you do you feel like we're heading trending in any particular direction? Good or bad? I don't know. I might be too checked out at this point of what's what's going on or not too checked out. I just uh haven't done a market research in this department. <laughs> no, I think that I've just become more confident with who I am within this space. And so I don't know what it's like to be in that mindset of a teen younger teenager uh coming up in snowboarding because I know exactly what I am and where I'm going. confidence is unbelievable all right i think that's absolutely beautifully articulated and i think we should hit a guest question from uh a person who has a phone number that is one digit different than mine from (laughs) massachusetts wow named mike Rav. hey everybody at the bomb hall uh this is mike and i have a question for naima my question is do you have any particular advice for anybody with a dream, whether it's snowboarding or crocheting, whether they're 5, 10, 15, 20, 50, 60, 70 years old and thinking about that dream? Um, yeah, any, any advice or just uh, any thoughts on that? Thank you. Wow, Mike gets an air horn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets a homie cooked and an air horn. That is a good question. Do I have advice on, I guess, following your dreams? I, I like to think of it as how I kind of started to pursue snowboarding. I remember having this thought that if 10 years, 20 years goes down, the line and I look back at my life am I going to be happy with my decisions or am I going to regret anything and when I thought about snowboarding I was like whoa 10 years down the line if I look back at my life and I think what if instead of I know that I tried I would never let that down so I I I kind of 
played the perspective game and that shifted my whole trajectory from being in Tahoe to moving to Salt Lake City to getting into the, uh, I guess, the middle of what I was trying to pursue and that helped me along my way. So when it comes to pursuing any idea or dream that you have, it's taking action is letting go of the what if and just knowing that you tried can be so much more powerful than living with regret. Um, it's, oh man, I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a hard one. Those I, are those are wise words. They are. I also feel like when you have these dreams, if you can put yourself in environments where you're surrounded by other people with similar dreams and ideas that can help you along your way um that if this is your true desire whatever it is you can't stop you have to keep trying you have to keep going um there's no other option right if this is what you're supposed to be doing there's no other way <laughs> i have a question about trying and succeeding and then and sometimes failing because the you know whole said it to you he said what are you scared of succeeding and because he saw the potential he saw what that was and he didn't see that it could go any other way great advice tuned into his friend but they don't always succeed in that effort i just want to know why do you keep going when you don't succeed in the effort was it still worth that time and energy for you? That's a good question. I guess everybody has to dig deep down to decide what is their true passion or what is their true goal. And maybe you don't succeed, but those steps, you could have learned useful skills that could in turn help you succeed. So there's there's little ways to win as opposed to big ways win as well or not as opposed but as well as big ways to win and it's just uh taking those steps in that direction that could also be considered a win in succeeding or at least trying yeah awesome thank you that's killer i love it keeps just dropping knowledge knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb you've been mm. flowing like the salmon of the capistron out here um now i think we're gonna get into uh the pub beer crapshoot so you have two dice you just need to grab two dice from directly behind your head they're like exactly behind where your head sits right there hard to reach probably sorry and uh what you're gonna do is you're gonna roll those dice let me find my sheet I will tell you is what you have to do. Is there a salt involved with this? It's There's not a salt, but you can if you want. And uh, I'll, this I'll is presented by Pub Beer. So you can go ahead and roll those dice. And it's time to roll some dice for some cheap, fun beer presented by Pub Beer. No matter what you're doing, crack open a Pub Beer. Cheap fun is always a safe bet. All right, roll those dice. We'll tell you what you got to do. Eight. 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 Tell us about a breakout moment that helped launch your career. Uh, oh, I love this question. I would say there's uh, maybe two. Um, one would be the Snowboy events, kind of at the beginning of starting to get momentum with companies. I started going to, I think It's Tits 
It's Tits was the first snowboy event that I uh, went to, I guess, later in life uh, when Crush started doing these types of tours. And uh, just showing up and snowboarding and meeting the people uh, within GNU that were, that was there because they were there. And I took that opportunity to meet and hang out with, like, Tim Zimmerman, who's a photographer, got some photos. Yep, what a legend. Love him. Uh and, and then kind of going on that tour and just kept showing up and um, getting momentum that way. But then I feel like a huge, a huge moment would be uh, being in the Uninvited uh, 2 movie and filming for that. And Jess kind of opened this like huge door. I, li- I like to call it as she gave me this like golden ticket, which really wasn't much she I just remember she was trying to help me get some funding from my companies at this time I didn't really get anything uh, to be able to travel and she wrote this email that just was hyping me up and through that email I saw how she was navigating talking to these companies and talking to people within the companies and that that one email completely changed how I navigated talking to companies and and I just so I call it the golden ticket because I'm like that one moment uh helped me so much because I just took that ball and I kept it rolling and I just kept that momentum going and that was like and obviously I had to snowboard and do all that as well but like just learning how to navigate the backside helped so much with the front wow so gangster so great answer (laughs) great answer (laughs) Okay, let's hit. Uh, we're gonna get into hot takes here, Naima. Um, so we're gonna start off by the goat to you. This is all like you know, not stats, but maybe how it pertains to you, uh, both male and female. Who you got? Uh, female. Uh, Jess is definitely up there, but I would have to say Barrett Christie, uh, specifically because uh, she's a legend on so many levels and. Uh, not many people can say they have a trick named after them. Mm. And it's just her power in her snowboarding. Love to see it. And then male, I would say Scott Stevens, probably a big surprise. <laughs> um, just always loved his take on snowboarding and have have just tried to implement it in one way or another in my snowboarding. and. Big inspiration. Great answer. Is snowboarding an art or a sport to you? It's an art. And that's why I like snowboarding is that not a lot of sports can be like that. A lot of people snowboard because of the feeling and in in enjoying that environment. And a lot of people, it's harder to find that in other sports. Who's the most underrated in your opinion i've thought about this one for a little bit and i would say gus warbington uh Mm -hmm. he's been a favorite of mine for so long just his style and his take on snowboarding is something that it's just graceful and beautiful and um i'm hoping that his neck feels better and we can see more of him in the future but um until then just be well (laughs) Great answer. Steel or powder? Neither. Um, I would say a quarter pipe. 
Good answer. Uh, favorite style ever? Uh, snowboarding? Uh, like, no, who has your favorite style on a snowboard? On a snowboard. Uh, I don't know. There's so many different... Okay, I've always loved Jake Kuzik and his precision, but then I've always loved, like, Eric Leon and his uh, just, like, I guess I'd call it just gangsterness or just, like, his uh, big ollies. Always loved that. And then... Uh, and then I guess Gus with his just fluidness. So there's a few. Okay, who has your favorite method? My favorite method. Hmm. I don't know. There's a lot. That's a, that's a hard one because everybody has a good method in their own ways. Mm. And I, okay. I like Mike's method. <laughs> I like that he changes his method in different environments depending on the feature, and I, d I don't feel like a lot of people do that or know how to. So that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. That's great. Uh, what's your favorite snowboard video ever made? Favorite snowboard movie video? Oh, Susie Greenberg. <laughs> Amazing <Sick>. answer. <laughs> yes. I, it's so good. And I was so, I was devastated when it didn't win video of the year because I'm like, this is not just video of the year. This is video of the century. It's, it's wild and insane. And yeah, I loved every second of it. Wow. Great unexpected answer. <laughs> uh, favorite snowboard graphic ever done? Mm, I would have to say uh, it's pretty cool because. This graphic was just re-put out there last year, but Barrett Christie has a pro model from back in the day that she drew these flowers onto onto her board, and then they mass-produced it, and they just brought back like a redo of that design. But I've always just loved um, loved the concept of it and the fact that she drew it. And uh, I don't know. The graphics that you look at and just make you smile, those are probably the best ones. Mm. Um, okay. Dream sponsor. Dream sponsor. No limitations on this. Love this question. Um, I like to ask other people this all the time, <laughs> but then now that I'm getting asked it, I don't know. Um, okay. For some reason, all I'm thinking about is yarn. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm like, yarn is for expensive. You. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for snowboarding's sake, I feel like a dream sponsor would have to be something like Delta Airlines or uh, something where you mm -hmm. can kind of travel and fly and not have to worry about those expenses to be able to explore. But then I'm also like maybe a rice company, mm. some sort of food, mm. get some food action going. I thought about Michaels for you. Michaels, yeah. Like a craft yeah. store. Oh, that's bottomless budget. On the yarn. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So th those would be good places. I almost had something going with Joanne's. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. We'll make it work another time. That would be imagine a big old Joanne's fabric sticker on the nose. That oh would be my goodness! No, it would be for it'd be for yarn. It'd be crap, like snowboarding wouldn't even be. Oh, it wouldn't be a part of it. Nose. I'd still rep the sticker <laughs> though. It probably would just for fun, but they'd be like, "What is this about?" <laughs> but all those bigger companies, it's all sub companies and then sub people working with the sub people. So you're not actually doing much with them. Okay, last question we got. 
Oh, no, actually, we got a couple more. Uh, if you go heliboarding with three people in the world, good times, who are you taking? Uh, I'd probably take uh, John, Corinne, and Melissa, the kind of our main crew from last winter. It was just a good time, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Good people. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Last question. Worst trend. Worst trend. I thought about this. I had a good answer. Forgot. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) Um, Let's think. (laughs) Thought about it. Had a great answer. Forgot it. Now here we are. I swear. You don't hang on it. That's good. It's not stressing you out every day. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Worst trend would probably be... Um, when I guess this is just general in general in life, but when people say they're going to do something and then they don't do it mm. or don't own up to it. So let's say you, you say you're going to do something and you realize it's not feasible, then you're like, okay, I'm not going to do it. That's fine. But if you say something and then you don't stick to those, those words, then what does your word mean? So for me, your word means everything. And even for myself, when I notice I do that, I get really frustrated with myself. So it's something that I'm working on as well. But staying true to your word is everything. Enough said. Best answer I've ever heard for that. Seriously. Wow. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, What's so we're, I want to know what's next for Naima. What's going on? What's in the future? Um. What's next? Uh, just keep coming up with ideas, with uh, projects. I've been working on this one project all last winter called Where's Walla Beluga? And that will be um, coming out in the fall. So keep an eye out for that one. I'm really excited. That's just another one of those, I have a crazy idea. Then for some reason, everybody's like, do it up. <laughs> so we're just going to kind of keep going down that route of crazy ideas one after the other until um, until forever and forever. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, cool. Last thing, uh, you want to throw out any thank yous before we wrap this thing up? Uh, I have a couple of things. I wanted to show everybody what I've been working on this whole time. Oh, snap. She's in the bag. He's in the bag. What do we got? Maybe. Oh my God! Wow! wow. We got no a way. Bomb. It's like a flag almost. <laughs> this is amazing. I put a little thing so you can hang it up somewhere, but it's crocheting. This is amazing. Uh, I've never really tackled this type of crocheting, so it was a fun project to. Wow. How was the planet? How was doing the planet? It's like the on planet's spec. tech. It's, yeah. It was all just uh, reading the graph. <laughs> nice. I don't know how to explain it. Reading what? the graph. Yep. <laughs> How long did that thing take? Um, I, I had this whole thing of being like, ah, it wasn't, it didn't take that long, but it, it took some effort. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was so easy. <laughs> she, well, we were gonna, we were gonna like book her for an earlier date and she's like, oh, I'm glad we have more time because it'll give me time to finish my like project. So it's definitely seems like you put some hours in. So that's thank you. That is spot on. Well done. What an honor. That's yeah. that's an incredible <laughs> gift. Uh, so I guess first off on the thank yous, I'd like to thank you guys for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Um, also, the companies that I work with, uh, 
Air Blaster, GNU, Cole, uh, Crab Grab, Soy Sauce Nation, of course, uh, my family, and uh, all my friends that have shown up for me and helped me along this trajectory to be where I am. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. It's been such a fun podcast. Uh, we really enjoyed it, so thanks for that, Ama. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, Jones, Silk, appreciate you guys as always. Thanks, Chris. A pleasure. Thanks, Silk. All of our listeners, everybody that tunes in and supports all the snowboarding community, we got so much love for you guys, and we appreciate it. And uh, over and out from the bomb hole.